was uh, with Eminence Shadow recently. I don't mm. know if you guys have watched Eminence and Shadow. Or, no. no, it's like yeah, Shadow Garden or whatever the fuck. Um, I, I know what it is. Yeah. Before the show had even finished airing, like mm-hmm. I think it like like maybe a third of the way through its second core, uh, Crunchyroll had already gotten and had was uh, was promoting release of a mobile gotcha game for it. Um. So the show hadn't even finished. Yeah. And they already had a gotcha game ready to go out the door. It was like it was it was honestly impressive, I think. Like I downloaded it and I started playing it and it was just basically it was using a, like inside of the game. They had scenes that they had recreated from the anime that were done in like a 3D mocap kind of. Kind oh, of, OK. Uh, kind of style like Genshin Impact almost. But the level of production that they ended up putting into it definitely definitely leads me to believe that it was uh it was premeditated a coordinated like effort yeah 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 i wonder there's probably other examples of that i just can't really think of any off the top of my head where you have like the anime's airing and then there's like something else in the franchise that's happening at the same time I'm trying to think well so so what did you call this shadow gardener <laughs> evidence this- and shadow Shadow, so it's like the gacha game about like gardening tools. Like no, 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 no. You no, gather no. hose. And it, no, no, no. Honestly, he's, the he's... premise of the anime makes sense for a gacha game. It it does. It really does. Um, do you know but, what it is? But it's definitely yeah. <laughs> so, I, so what you're saying is the guy in Eminence of Shadow has no hose. No, he has all the he hose. Has, he has he all has, the hose. He has so he a, is a gardener. A, a uh, yeah. I mean, I, I it's called Shadow Garden. It's a garden of shadows. Oh, uh, Shadow Garden, not, yeah. not sh- the Shadow Gardener. Well, I mean, the show's not called Shadow Garden. That's just his thing in the show. It's actually evidence of Shadow. He has this organization. Um, it's, so it's, it's, it's not about a guy who goes out in the dead of night and does people's lawns. This bit sucks. You fucking suck. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm trying to humor you, movie, but it's hard. I can't. I can't. I can't shit post this hard. I've reached, oh, the, I've reached the limit of my ability. You want to just like get it and in, get into it now and just do the intro? <laughs> welcome to the Weeb Crew Hello, podcast. And welcome to the Weeb Crew. Oh God, it's so good to be here. <laughs> so happy. I'm movie Isai. We got with us today, Smuggler. Good to be here. Everyone's favorite first hand information. It's really funny. <laughs> how to encode idios. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's it's one of those things where, like, I, I find I get quoted a lot when really I'm just uh, I'm just quoting William Chow already. So just yeah, go watch yeah William Chow stuff and you'll there be able we go. to go check that, that off. William Chow has been mentioned on the <laughs> yeah. crew. Oh, I man, in record time. Take a shot. We have <laughs> more than likely done this once an episode since he's been on. That we man need to, needs need more have, love. That man needs more love. I don't care how much he's getting, but it's never enough. Okay. God need, bless his kindred spirit. We need to make a uh, Weeb Crew drinking game. Every time William Chow's been to take a shot. Take a, take a shot. It's like a bingo chart. Yeah, the <laughs> Chow bingo. Is the free space in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I, I've seen... I fo- I've found at least two videos where they have cited you... And I tagged you and I was like, hey, look, smuggler in the wild. But Which, like, that blows it's just my mind. Weird. That blows my mind so much because my channel is such like a like a drop in the bucket 
that I, and it's not just you either. I've ran into just random places and corners of the internet. And I've had people ask me, it's like, are you, are you the smuggler? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Who's asking? Like, that's, that is my, my discord name. It's my username everywhere because nobody ever takes it. So I just, I, you know, that's just what I always go into things as. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, I love your videos. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, oh that's awesome. It's like, then why did you subscribe, you dick? Okay. <laughs> if everybody who told me they liked my videos subscribed to my channel, I'd have subscribers. <laughs> I have at least three subs, <laughs> right? You know, but here I am. Here I am. I guess just getting quote tweeted in everybody else's video. Basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. If some random person came up to me he's like, oh, man, are you the smuggler? I'd be like, this is a fed. <laughs> yeah, like, right? like, like, am I getting honey potted right now? <laughs> like, is that what do you want me to on? smuggle? Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like it's like, the, it's like the Truman show. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. My whole life is a lie. Basically. Although I do get that question a lot. It's like, what do you smuggle? LOL. And I never know how to answer that question. And you're just like um, drugs. Yes. What are you, yeah, fed? You know, drugs. That's how you answer the question. <laughs> Actually, no. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Next time somebody asks me that, that's what I'll have to come back at them with. Because honestly, the answer I give is never as interesting as the answer that they have in their head already. So I just inevitably end up disappointing them. <laughs> um, and that's honestly the worst thing for me. Um, definitely the source of my crippling performance anxiety. <laughs> I don't want to be a disappointment, mom. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. So a little bit of, I think, I think we talked about it with, we, we had a uh, Hayden on. Um, we originally kind of were talking about doing this. We were thinking there was going to be like three people. Um, we ended up going with the format we do have. Interesting bit of tidbit information is I'm pretty sure you were the first person to ask if I wanted to do a podcast. Yeah, I think I was. <laughs> that was before you guys started it, too. I was like, yeah. man, it would be really cool if if we did a podcast. Like, because I, I forgot just, what we were well, talking about. I was talking to somebody in VC or uh, at some point, like a friend of mine. And like this random person, I think you had a... a, a Miyazaki avatar at the time. He changed it a few times. Uh, but it was like a smiling. I think it was just Miyazaki where he had like the smiling Miyazaki face or whatever. Uh, you just like joined and we were talking. And then like at some point you're like, Wait, does anyone want to start an anime podcast? <laughs> but you're like, yeah. you're asking me. And then you're asking like a friend of mine who like doesn't fucking watch anime at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah, man, I was just doing an anime. Pop. I'm like, what the? F- shut the fuck up! You don't even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just roping you into it. I'm pretty sure I was blasted when I hopped into that call too, so I like barely remembered it the day after. But I, <laughs> I think, I think part of that comes from from my experience because I've always had like, um, I've always had friends who have kind of been like, I'd say, diet weebs. Like they're into the seasonals occasionally. Um, and we get to talking about some stuff sometimes. Some of them read a lot of manga or manhwa. And then they're always like, man, we could totally make a podcast episode about this. And I'm like, that'd be great. So, like, here's all the things we're going to need to do. Here's the mics you're going to want to buy. Here's, like, how we're going to edit it. <laughs> and then I never hear anything back. And that's, like, the extent of my podcasting adventures, at least uh, at least in the last half a decade or so. Well, I have a, I have a very normie friend. Whenever I hang out with him, he like we usually hang out with like his old roommates and like old uh, coworkers and stuff he's friends with. 
and they're always talking about just like random shit, like always sunny, like they're always making always sunny references like that. And then they'll be like, yo, this conversation we were having would make such a great podcast. And I'm always, when people say that. Everyone I'm says like, that. And then they like actually try to record for a podcast and it goes miserably. Yeah. Like even if you record that conversation, that conversation is not halfway as interesting as you think it is at the moment when you're yeah. just talking. Like it is a very different skill set. I can say this from experience now, having done this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a very different skill set. Having to be have a conversation and be entertaining than it is to just be hanging out with your bros in a, cl- a fucking basement and just shit talking about fucking the One Piece live action fucking adaptation on Netflix. Like these are t- <laughs> they are not the same thing. Like no one's gonna listen to you and your friends who don't know you and your friends and be like, no, oh, this is really riveting and interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's, I think it's one of those things because the conversation that you're having, like, of course you think it's the most interesting thing in the world because yeah, you're yeah. having it, you know, it's your conversation. If you didn't give a shit, you wouldn't be talking about it. So, you know, you get a bunch of people who all think the same way sitting around and all of a sudden it's just like, you know, they're, they're, they're playing the cracker game, like circle jerking off on, you know, who's going to be the next Joe Rogan. Um, it very rarely ends up panning out that way. Yeah, that's just like the cultural thing to well, do. Is like, be like, Yo, this would be a, such a good podcast, man. If we I mean, well, you have stuff po- like, like I, th- I feel like that might also be due to stuff like Come Town, where it's like, it's it's. I think <laughs> what is Come Town? <laughs> you do you know what Come Town is? I don't know what Come Town. So Come Town is, is probably the lowest <laughs> effort to highest return project in the history of Patreon. Because it was, it was more or less what like movie described, where it's just like a group of friends who, to be fair, they're all already good at like public speaking and stuff because they're like com- uh, comedians working in New York City. Um, but it was basically just that they literally would just hit record, talk for an hour, and then hit stop recording, and then uh, that would basically, and then they just made thousands of dollars just doing that, like. What? If they're already like comedians, then I guess you're basically like new game plus at that. Yeah. Point. Like, are you really like new at podcasting? Like, I don't know if it's, it's not one to one, but you're yeah. oh, pretty yeah, close. Yeah. No, if, mean, you're, yeah. if you're doing something that involves like public speaker or something like that, you're already like done 90 percent. You're of all, yeah, you're already podcast. Like, right. Yeah, you're already like set at least partially for like this kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know if like you ran into that when you start making your videos, but that's like. I would say that is the largest hurdle is like finding oh, yeah. a way to be entertaining, like natural. Cause like <laughs> listening to your voice when you're editing is like the worst fucking thing in the world when you first start. Oh out. my God. I know. I'm like, man, I remember, uh, cause okay. So the first video I made was, uh, was the Macross guide video. Uh, it was on, oh, like, that was Macross. your first. That was my first. Yeah. So it's like, because I started, I, I was new. I was a new fledgling weeb. And I I had, um, I, I was going to college for business administration management at the time. And they gave everybody this uh, Microsoft Surface Pro tablet. It was, it was kind of a scam, honestly. I ended up having to pay for it later. But it had the App Store, the Windows 8 App Store. And it had this anime app. This it was basically like the greatest anime pirate website I have ever seen, and it was hard locked on the Microsoft Surface tablet store. Um, <laughs> and they called it Kiss Anime. No, it wasn't Kiss Anime. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. It was some like 
it, it I haven't seen it I, I since I can't find it for the fucking life of me, but it was honestly brilliant. But it didn't have like new and trending and everything. It just had every anime ever made organized by alphabetical order. <laughs> and that was the only way you could go through it. Was there, was, why, was there at least like a search option? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you could search by letter. You, you know, if you wanted to go oh, to a letter. Oh, thank so God. God. Are you sure this was like an anime app and this wasn't just like you accessing someone's fucking I don't know, man. Yeah, it could have been. If I no, it had like a it had like a, a nice interface and thumbnails and everything like that. It kind of looked like a it looked like a Plex server almost. But this would have been yeah. well before Plex was really flushed mm-hmm. out and integrated in the way that it is yeah. today. Um and yeah, so like because it was organized in alphabetical order, that influenced my early experiences with anime. Like my favorite, like all of my favorite shows are like Batum and Clanod and Black Bullet. And so all like, things like towards the top yeah, of the album. They're like, they're like close, like A to Z. And then as I kept working my way down, like eventually, like I, like I, the first time I watched Sword Art Online was on this tablet and I went into the thing completely fucking dry. Like I had no idea if people were talking about it or if it was popular. This might've been like a year or two after it finished airing. And I was just like, man, this is the coolest shit ever. I love this. Man, people are in video games. They're getting killed. This is like the Matrix, but it's like anime, man. And then from there, I was fucking sold. Uh, That was like a decade ago. Then you started doing YouTube stuff and you saw the video shitting on fucking Sword Online. You're like, God damn. I was, like, was alive this whole yeah, time. Right? I was like, man, yeah, like uh, like Beatrice at the time just red-pilled me on anime. And suddenly <laughs> there was like this existential crisis I was having. Like, oh, God, do I like Sword Art Online? Am I an idiot? <laughs> um, Am yeah, I the other? Are we the baddies, guys? And then the answer we later found out is no. No, and now <laughs> I'm here watching Mushoko Tensei, and I'm kind of like I'm sitting on the other side of the fence now, and I'm like, okay, like let's 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 look at this for a second. Back but, up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it, in the course of that, uh, eventually I got to the letter M, and that was Macross because that's first on the letter M. And like, oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Started watching Macross, and I could not figure out what the fuck was going on uh, because there's Macross Zero, there's Macross Plus. There's, uh, oh, there's God. seven, there's yeah. Frontier, there's Delta. I think Delta like all, was just about to start at that point. Maybe maybe a little bit afterwards. My um, tried true alphabetical order is failing me. <laughs> yeah, so like I just the listed the watch order. I, I, I just listed the actual watch order as it is. But when I first got into it, I hadn't the slightest fucking clue. So I was like, I was very confused when I mm-hmm. hopped into uh, when I hopped into Frontier and there was a lot of words and stuff. And then I kind of started looking into it and I'm like, man, it's crazy. There's like this Harmony Gold thing and this Robotech thing. And then there's all of this stuff and they're airing them like, or they're making them out of chronological order and Zero is a prequel. And I'm like, man, that's pretty confusing. And it would be cool if there was a video that just explained that to me. Um, so that was, and that was kind of what led me to record my my first video, which was a Macross video, and that thing was fully scripted, and I recorded it on a pair of, uh, like, head earphones, like, cell phone earbuds. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, like, oh. the, like basically what you see on TikTok nowadays. I was a proto-TikTok. I was, proto I was TikTok. 10 years early. You're the one on responsible, one. then. <laughs> like, you can You're blame ex- me for all of our transgressions, yes. That's what you are really smuggling. Um... Yeah, and then it just kind of it kind of went from there. I I my 
I've always been like, um, YouTube's always been kind of like something that I've just done when I find something in my regular life that I find interesting and I kind of <laughs> want to share it with other people. And I think that's partially why my upload schedule is so categorically fucked at this point. Like I might find something cool that uh, like it's, it's one of those things uh, going back to the podcasting thing. You always think your ideas are interesting. So anytime I have a new idea, I'm always sitting down and I'm like, is this actually interesting or mm -hmm. do I just kind of think it is? And would it be worth me, you know, wasting people's time talking about it? And usually once every six months, I kind of have an idea like that. And then that's that's kind of where I go. Although what will end up happening is I'll make a video. I'll have an idea and it'll usually take me about six months to finish formulating that and kind of building it like a lot of the stuff um, like the. Uh, going back and forth with William Chow and kind of watching his stuff for the subtitling video and then having to get the equipment and kind of figure out how it all works and, mm -hmm. you know, then formatting in a way to explain it. That actually took me six months to do um, between finding oh, wow. the appropriate stuff on eBay, like because I had to buy the I had to buy the uh, Sony mixer on eBay, get it shipped in. I had to do, you know, testing and figure out how like analog video chains worked. Um, you know, kind of, kind of fucking around and finding out for lack of a better term. Um, mm -hmm. and then the hentai video was kind of the same thing, uh, that I posted recently. Um, but that was a bit more like abstract, I suppose, where mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, it took me a long time to get my hentai knowledge up to the point where I could draw parallels between advancements in, you know, analog video technology and the Japanese economy and, you know, the broader trends inside of the hentai industry like that just took me I've, I've been sitting on that idea for like a year. It just took me a really long time to put it into words and kind of get it out there in a format that people might actually want to watch. Hmm. So you're saying you had to do a lot of research. Yeah, there was a fair hentai. bit. There was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of a lot of. <laughs> mm. um, you can't yeah, be making no. this joke, given the episode that came that came out like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like twice before this one. Twice before this one, you know, yeah. There's no, there's no time frame for women was released. Uh, I guess it not. just came out two episodes ago. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we so we kind of run into the opposite issue. We're like, we have a lot of shit we want to talk about. We have a lot of ideas, and we just are we running into the, the bar. You guys have so much on the back burner right oh, now. God, You're like pushing into 2024. Yeah. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then we've got Pluto. And maybe we'll talk about Uzumaki. Yeah, that's not even including all the shit that's Scott coming out. Scott Pilgrim. New Fooly Oh, Cooley. yeah, I guess the Scott Pilgrim anime is coming out. Fooly what Cooley we're saying is if you, if you feel yeah, like yeah. you could edit together like one of our like normal videos, <laughs> uh, hit us up. If you're okay with it looking like this, I mean, I, I could give it a go. <laughs> it would just be we really will pay you. Up. It might not be <laughs> much, just, but we will pay you. You just get you. We just you edit together, and you just get you and your friend to just mouth everything we're saying in live action. <laughs> yes, yes. Pete. Live action weeb crew adaptation. That's how you. That's how. Yeah, dude. You avoid copyright, and you carve your niche out in one fell swoop. You know that'd be that'd be it. Um, I feel like I feel like YouTubers in general kind of maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like a lot of people take themselves too seriously. So I feel like if people had more fun with the things that they were making, we would have a lot more novelty, I suppose, inside of the yeah. creative kind of, you know, sphere. Uh, like how many how know. many anime videos do we have where people are, you know, 
talking outside on a park bench, you know, about their anime. I'd uh, like to see that. Grumpy Jisab? I I guess the he's Senate not, clinic. He'll like go outside. I don't think he's, he's not on a park bench. Yeah, I don't think no, he's, he's not. Anymore. Yeah. Um, right. I don't I, I don't know if it's necessarily like people take themselves too seriously. I think it's that there's a lot of people when they first kind of get into it. That's kind of the content that they see, right? Because like I, I can speak from like at least my experience when I made my first video. I didn't take direct inspiration from anybody and in how I like edited the video together, but that's kind of just how it generally was in like a vague kind of nebulous sense. So like my video, it probably kind of just seems like a weird amalgamation of like whatever kind of videos you would have been seeing around that time, maybe. Yeah. Whereas you can vary with my like uh, two videos, uh, you can very clearly tell who I'm ripping off. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can tell who we're ripping off. Oh yeah. Well, oh God. The weeb crew shit. That's that's very transparent. My stuff personally was not quite as transparent, mm-hmm. at least. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's more like when people just start making videos, they don't really know how to kind of approach it, so they kind of just fall into some certain kind of categories. Kind of not really until you find yourself. Like yeah, they right. know they want to make videos, but they don't know what kind of videos they want to make yet. Really. Yeah. Whereas like. Once you start making videos for a while, you kind of find your own creative voice. Yeah. And so it's easier to kind of branch out and distinguish yourself from other people because you're like, man, I don't want to be like what when you're trying to grow your channel, you start you start trying to distinguish yourself from other people. And so it's like, I don't want to be just putting out the same shit that Gigguk is. So you kind of start taking inspiration from other places and you kind of form your own style or whatever in that way. Um, I think we're kind of in a unique niche with that since yeah I mean, we're taking basically like pod like for our videos at least we're taking basically like podcast kind of formats i'm editing it into like a cohesive sort of 20 minute esh video it's uh, like a hybridization between like a podcast or like round table discussion and a uh like video essay essentially is what it's come to be yeah yeah yeah, it's kind of it makes it gives an interesting kind of presentation. Style, yeah, well, I, I mean, as far as I'm aware, is like unique, and the people I've shown it to is like they seem to think that the like video benefits from that sort of style. So, I, I, I find it. it's interesting because it's uh, you guys, your guys' stuff at least is is a lot more concise. It's like it's it's a nice middle ground between kind of shooting the shit, but mm-hmm. also not like self flagellation where you guys. It's because it's because we like, cut out so much of what we yeah. talk about. <laughs> you guys are curating those moments as you're kind yeah. of organically moving through them, which which lends itself to some so, to some spontaneous like interactions between you and especially the the co-hosts that you have on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of one, one thing we've definitely learned is that we can no longer trust documentaries implicitly because we figured out it is in, it is incredibly easy to just construct a conversation that never actually happened. Yeah. Like what was our most recent video? Uh, East Kyle G song. We actually all hated that show and I just made it to where we all loved it. It was really insane how you'd managed to do that. (laughs) Really? Really? I watched that video. I thought you guys really liked it. It's one of the worst anime I've ever seen. Honestly, I was like, kind of like, well, I mean, ah, okay. No, there was a couple of points where I'm like, I, I just thought you guys were stupid. Like, I was like, really? <laughs> like, they think that about Isekai OG, son? I mean, it's like, it's there's, kinda like, there's a weird cut there. Like, <laughs> my, my bullshit, my bullshit antenna was like going off, but it wasn't quite 
wasn't mm-hmm. quite enough. You, so you guys, you guys had me fooled, anyways. I mean, and I'm sure a yeah, lot of everyone got it. duped. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And everybody's like, oh, <laughs> I mean, but man, that's such a mean trick to play. The comment section will be like, people like, man, I really like the Isekai OG Sod too. And they're just sitting there like, ha, you idiot. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, ha, ha. They have been deceived. We trolled yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, we managed to get all of the Isekai OG Sod lovers to out themselves. <laughs> now we know we probably, exactly. We five probably of them. could actually do that if we wanted to. <laughs> like some, just like completely, we, we talk about something and then you just completely misrepresent the conversation through clever editing tricks it oh, would yeah. not be that hard it would not be that hard well, our point is uh, do not trust michael moore <laughs> um you talked about how kind of does that so is that how you got into anime is with that the your little microsoft edge app well you say that's kind of how you got into it yeah it was it was that was a weird that was a weird time in my life um so i uh i was going to college at the time and i was doing a bunch of other stuff and i kind of burn out um, but on top of burning out, I, uh, I crashed my car, like I rolled it over. So I lost my car. I was working as like a delivery driver and I was traveling a lot for work. So I lost my job when I lost my car. Uh, Damn, dropped- Canada sounds very fucking dangerous up there. Man, there's like sirens in someone's mic right oh, now. Oh yeah, that's actually. Yeah, that's I thought actually Canada me. was supposed to be safe. Yeah, no, the place I live. <laughs> oh, buddy, I'm I'm actually getting ready for a move right now, so I won't be here much longer. But yeah, this neighborhood ain't good. Hmm. It's not a good neighborhood. I shouldn't have all these laser discs here, except now we really know why they call <laughs> you the smuggler. That's it. That's it. Um, but anyways, yeah. So so there's a lot of stuff going on in my personal life, and I kind of just like shut down for a while. Like I didn't really leave my house for a period of like several months. I kind of became like a kind of became like a shut in um not like full <laughs> hiki but you know it was it was it was weird um and then yeah. I, I had that tablet and i just started watching through anime and uh eventually i just uh i just kind of like i don't know i just sat there and i just watched anime until i kind of got over my shit and then i one day i just went outside i got a job and then and, and that was like touch that was grass like, yeah basically um, it just, you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of a cliche, like looking, I, I think maybe even yesterday you guys were talking about like anime for self-improvement. Uh, but in my case, I just felt like anime was just like a nice way to kind of get away from the, from the bullshit that I was actually dealing with, you know, yeah. cause there wasn't a way for me to escape that. Um, but you know, going into, mm-hmm. going into something like anime, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't live action. So I could completely disassociate with my current situations. But compared to Western cartoons, it could deal with a lot, a much more diverse range of topics. You know, I mean, like, I don't know, though, a lot of the shows that I watched early where I was like, man, this is wild. were like, Batum. Oh, my God, that's my phone going off. <laughs> we have a phone. Right. Let me. Let me I thought you would have like one of those like car phones, like the big. <laughs> Like antenna? A, a carry a carrier pigeon. Yeah, it's just a, a, a CB radio. <laughs> a, a tele, a tel- hold on, guys. I'm getting a telegraph. I'm getting I'm getting the uh, the punch card starts printing out and I have to read it. <laughs> the no, old, sorry like, about that. The um, old fucking stock market tickers. But yeah, I think like but I, I think part of that was what kind of um what kind of shaped my tastes moving forward and what got me into the niche that I am right now, which is like the laser discs and the VHS tapes and the, and the more retro side of things. It's because I, I started watching, I started watching media, this media with like a strict disregard for whatever anybody else happened to be watching. 
you know, I wasn't into the topical shows that were happening at the time. I was just kind of watching whatever I thought looked interesting. And I've always been like really into old sci-fi and like romantic dramas and stuff like that. So I naturally ended up gravitating towards the older shows, um, even sure. before I really started to understand that there was a distinction between new and old anime. To me at the time, it was all just Japanese cartoons. It's all in alphabetical order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, oh, my God, that we're on to we're on to E now. Oh, what's what's going on here? Yeah. Evangelion? What oh. is it? <laughs> Why don't you get me started on Ava? OK, Ava ruined anime. Hot take. OK. Um, we'll yeah, we'll agree. That. We'll agree to disagree. Okay. OK, well, then I'm, I'm happy you're OK with being wrong, Mumi. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> We will event. We will. We will still eventually do an Evangelion episode that we talked about. What was that like? Episode two when we had Kai on. Oh yeah, we did talk about doing like rebuild episode podcast. Yeah, but no. So it's interesting because like that seems that seems like a pretty common kind of experience. I don't like not everybody like goes through a point where they're like not doing any like they kind of became a hickey or anything like that. Um. But like that is a kind of common experience where a lot of people seem to get into anime when they go like off to college. Um, I think we, I think we might have talked about that. Where it's, I guess maybe there's like this element of uh, when you go off on your own of like just trying to find yourself in a way. Like you're not um, intermingling with like your old kind of circles and social circles stuff like that. So maybe you're just trying to find yourself. Anime is a way for you to do that. College is a time to explore. I both your sexuality and the kind of media you consume. I think I think then, some of that might be survivor's bias, though, if that makes sense. Because could at, be. at least yeah. when yeah. we're all sitting around and we're talking and the people that you talk to, like we've all been weebs for fucking years, decades in certain cases. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I imagine the more common experience is, you know, they like because the average person who watches anime is like, what, three, four years before they kind of burn out and move on? I no, I think it's like six months. Like. Really? When there, isn't there like literature that said it's like six months is the average lifespan of an anime fan? No, holy shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's different now just because uh, anime one is a lot more popular than it used to be. And I think you don't necessarily need to always be watching anime nowadays. It can literally just be something that you like. I don't know. I I'd imagine a lot of people uh, watch anime during the pandemic. You know, they've been watching like anime off and on just because it's on Netflix or whatever. Right. And they'll probably watch the goddamn like Scott Pilgrim anime or maybe they watch like cyberpunk or something like that. Yeah, I guess where it, it's not like I guess you, it kind of just becomes incorporated into people's like general media diet or whatever. I guess it kind of goes like harkens back to the whole conversation that they had back in like 2010s with like. What is a real gamer? <laughs> Are you a true gamer yeah, if you play yeah. Angry Birds? There's no Farmville? true Scotsman, the no true Scotsman fallacy or whatever it is. Yeah, Me, that, meanwhile, that I, I've literally just been playing mobile games this entire time well, we've been talking. Well, yeah, and then it's just like, you know, like, uh, uh, what was it? The statistics about uh, the early statistics about female gamers. And then it was like, but 80% of them were on mobile. And then all of the neckbeards were like, that's not gaming. <laughs> You're not uh, a real uh, gamer. Yeah, a real gamer plays Elden, or no, it would have been Elder Scrolls back then, but I guess. There was another thing as well where it's like, I'd imagine a lot of people started watching anime during the pandemic, when during lockdowns, and then when the lockdowns ended, they just stopped watching anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what I find most interesting about that, though, is because there's such like a high turnaround for the average Weibo. Um, the the I guess the the general um, I guess the things that anti-tubers and you know content creators in the sphere tend to talk about is almost uh, cyclical. Like it almost has a life cycle. I've I've been noticing more and more as I'm moving forward that shows that I watched videos about five years ago are now getting talked about again. And the talking points from these new guys that are coming into it are almost the exact same as it was five years ago. It's just with like a, a new coat of paint on it. It's like this video was new edited in 2023. But for the large part, like these people are still coming in brand new to all of this, all of this anime. The back catalog's even bigger than when it was when I had that stupid little Microsoft Edge app. Um, so oh, yeah. it's like there's just so much to absorb and, you know, go into. So I, and I think, too, there's a lot of uh, shows that to us might seem like, you know, cultural mainstays as far as like anime is concerned. Like, I don't know, stuff like Clannad. Not not so much Ava. Everybody knows about Ava, but there's some some other shows that are a bit more. Well, like I guess I guess like an example would be like between right now at time of recording and when ReZero came out, it would be about the same amount of time between when I started watching anime and when Gurren Lagann came out. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So if you like are someone who started watching anime. Also, yeah, that's a fucking that's so, horrible thing to think that's about. That's so. Oh, I'm so old. I remember watching ReZero Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's your there's your next bingo thing. Uh, we feel <laughs> yeah, old. Right. Um, I mean, if it helps, but, it makes you feel any better, Smuggler. When he said that, I, there's I have like almost no context because like both of those things, like <laughs> it's like when I got into anime, well, Gurren Logan was only like three years old, four years old at that point. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. This is like holy shit. I was like, what? What's the big deal? <laughs> Yeah. Whereas like whereas like um when I was getting into anime back in like twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, Girl Lagan was like this like, you know, bona fide classic show. And I'm wondering, are people even getting into anime now? Are they thinking the same thing about like ReZero or Konosuba? Or or maybe or, they haven't heard about it yet. And that's like and that's the yeah. thing. So like you could in th- you know, in theory, make a video on ReZero, exposing the gospel of the Rem uh confession scene. And totally blow people's minds away because they might they just haven't heard of it yet. Um, because you got to think like yeah. there are people, you know, who were 13 when ReZero started who are now able to vote. You know, it's like yeah. it's yeah. kind of it's kind of one of those things. So like because um, it's like, um, yeah, so I always think of it like, you know, even stuff like, uh, you know, 2013 getting into anime. I, you know, you hear about a show like Kaiba or something like Man, that, Kaiba, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that'd probably be like, you know, a lesser known like, show to you at that point, whereas maybe when it was airing, not really the case. Maybe it was more talked about. Uh, I guess a, like a more modern example then would be people getting into anime now. You hear about something like Rakugo Shinju as like this sort of like hidden gem or whatever, whereas I can remember when Rakugo Shinju was airing and people talking about it. So the idea that it's like some sort of like hidden classic to me is... Is is a it's a strange yeah, idea. Yeah, it's just something that I watched and I thought it was good. Like it, like how how do you not yeah. know about this already? Kind of thing. And it's like oh you know you're just a little late to the party. I mean I can I can even get that to an extent where it's like because like I'll watch like independent like anime like three to five minute like <laughs> shorts uh, made by like one person put onto yeah. YouTube and the way I'll go about like watching them is I like search it up 
and I will sort by like most recent or I'll like I'll look at stuff uploaded in like the last day or week or month. And usually when I'm doing that, these videos have very, very few views. And then I'll see them again like a month or two later and they've got like a hundred thousand plus views. And I'm like, holy fuck. This and everybody's sitting around. This is so underrated. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I, and, and I, and I'm just here like, I, I, I watched it before it was cool. All right. right? Goddamn yeah, hipster. Yeah. Um, so, so taking that, taking that concept into the next stream, we can kind of tie this all in together. Um, so when we think about when we think about shows that are kind of like mainstays for us, like stuff that was kind of important to us or left an impact back in the day, you know, those shows have a certain uh, like an evergreen relevance as far as uh, weebs are concerned. Like, I'm sure that somebody could mm-hmm. still go back and watch Angel Beats today. And, you know, if they were new to it, they would be like totally blown away by it. You know, so it's kind of so some of those shows are timeless in a sense. But there's an increasing number of shows, and this kind of goes back to the whole commodity thing that I think we were talking about, maybe even before we started recording, but um, that are just kind of uh, really like a flash in the pan. They burn really hot. Everybody forgets about them. We move on. Um, And there's like shows even from like maybe a year ago that I, I was going back through the seasonal charts and I was like, oh, right. That anime is a thing. Like that was something that happened. Um, and part of me like getting into the analog video and the retro media side of things is I've kind of been accidentally bumping into these shows that people just don't remember anymore. If that makes oh, yeah. sense. Like there's so many of them out there that they're, I wouldn't say they're bad, but they're not bad enough to like be memorable. Like Garzy's Wing, Mad Bull 34, there's certain shows that like, you know. Chargeman Ken. Right? There are certain shows that are so bad, they live on just by their sheer meme potential. But for every yeah. one of those, there's probably dozens, if not hundreds, of shows that are just normal kind of regular anime that gradually obscure, just just uh, dissolve into obscurity, I suppose would be, would be the, the case. And I've been kind of spending the last... Uh, I've been kind of messing around for the last few years, but I'd say the last like year and a half, I've been making a concerted effort to go back and try to track down some of these shows and archive these weird kind of oddities specifically. I'm not so much concerned about like, you know, archiving all of Ava. Everybody has Ava. You know, or yeah. like, or whatever it happens to be, whether it's Gundam. They, all, they have already, Gynex has already archived Ava. They have a, a release of it where it is literally the original TV broadcast mm-hmm. version. But like, uh, available. But like, so it's like, a good example, Lex brought up a Timbatsu Angel Rabbi, um, which I thought was, it, a Timbatsu Angel Rabbi is like this weird one-off OVA that was a, uh, it was like made as a promotion for an Aroge like a like a like a visual novel dating sim back during mm-hmm. the 2000s really kind of just nothing like it's it's just it's it's one episode it's kind of fun there's like you know the, the typical um action plot with like light fan service it's kind of a magical girl show there's like some light sci-fi fantasy elements put in it's it's by all accounts it's 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 mediocre at best but the last yeah. time anybody gave a shit about that show hard subs were still a thing so if you want to watch it, 
the only way that you can watch it is at like 240p with these <laughs> subtitles that are fucking just burnt right uh, yeah. into the video. And and honestly, it's uh, it's a DVD source. So there's no there's no good reason for it to actually look that bad apart from just the time period when it was made because people's hard drives were a lot smaller back then. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so and that's what I've been working on recently is uh, just kind of transcribing the hard subs onto a, a modern encode of that. So like for all five people that are going to want to watch that at some point, you know, they'll have a decent version to kind of lean back on. Um, and that was the <laughs> same thing that led me to do the 1919 OVA capture and kind of remaster that I did. Um, Arisa Good Luck was a big one. Arisa Good Luck was a... Arisa Good Luck, I did that because it pissed me off. Um, hmm. And it's it's kind of weird, like, because Hazel made the video about Arisa Good Luck. Yeah, yeah. And it was this huge video. Lots of time and effort put into it, and she has a really big community. Um... And it just kind of it just kind of got me that she she did something good when she uploaded the the DVD files, the raw DVD files onto the Internet Archive. So at that point, <clears throat> people who wanted to do things with it could do whatever they wanted to. But I'm honestly just surprised that, you know, some creators with the with the audiences that they have and the access to resources that they kind of enjoy don't try to make more of an effort to actually like re-encode or like archive this stuff or make it more accessible to people. Cause mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like she, she, she fully admitted that she didn't really know much about encoding and she didn't know why the video was stuttering all over the place uh, in her video, but it would have been, I, I feel pretty easy for her to reach out and ask somebody about it. You know, it would have saved me mm -hmm. the trouble of having to go out of my way and do it anyways. <laughs> um, you know, and um, I see that stuff happen all yeah. the time. It's just, it's just kind of like, it, it gets me. So I just see this and I'm like, why does this look like shit? There's no excuse. This is unacceptable. Yeah. I, I think say, a good example of that was like, um, uh, action buttons, Tokimeki Memorial, 10 hour fucking video on it. Right. Where I think, uh, I think that video, I, th either the translation is done or it's still being worked on, but because of that video, there was like a, a sort of like revitalization and interest in it, uh, and like a translation was like underway as a result, or at least bolstered by it. Maybe it was maybe it was being translated before that video even came out. Yeah, I will, I will say that's because um, people can be kind of critical of like Kenny's like content in our spheres, like people who are kind of more into like the textual analysis and stuff like that, and that is one really like great thing that he does is he's very active in like the preservation kind of side of things and like he goes out and tries to find these things and preserve them right he like, hasn't made a video in months and yet he's doing all this shit with mickey momo on twitter <laughs> yeah like it, it, he's very active with his community and resources that he has available to him as like a larger creator in doing this good for the community as a whole yeah um that's definitely like a great thing that he does that I don't think he gets enough credit for from some people. Um, but yeah, that, that is something that's kind of lost, right? In, in modern kind of anime spheres is that kind of, there was a point in time where what was popular was dictated purely by what was available and what yeah. was available was not necessarily dictated by what was popular. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> like a lot of times it was. Not all of the time, 
So yeah. like you kind of see that a little bit um, with early streaming, like uh, obviously a lot of streaming sources just push whatever is popular, like uh, Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but then you would get like a show like a no game, no life that would get pushed on streaming services. It was really big in the West, much more so than like in Japan. Yeah. And not that it was like a flop in Japan, but it it was it made a much larger impact here than it did over there. Same mm-hmm. with like Batum. Um, so I you love Batum get that a little so bit. much. I love Batum so fucking much. <laughs> oh, There's gosh. kind of a little bit of a carryover with that. But like you look at like early... Like even like going into like early broadcast stuff, like it's not like Trigun and Cowboy Bebop were like these huge milestones in Japanese animation, but they kind of almost became that because of how influential they were to Japan uh, anime coming over from Japan and the hitting the mainstream. Um, going back even further than that, they're kind of like there was a lot of stuff that was popular, like Orange Road, that kind of fell to the wayside from like the kind of larger influence of like a Mason Ikoku. And then there's stuff that was you know relatively popular at the time that was popular because of the available translations like uh Himechan's ribbon. That was a little bit more popular in that time period just because of its availability. And that's completely kind of forgotten about. So you get like these yeah. weird there's different perspectives, right? That's that's not necessarily being captured in kind of the modern like way that we consume media. Um, like I always kind of point to Kyoran Kazuku Niki. Uh, that was one that was pretty popular among like Western viewers when it was airing in 2008 or 2009, whatever it was. And by the time I got into anime, it was just like at the tail end of that, right? Like I kind of heard a little bit about people being like, oh yeah, I loved that show. That and like uh, Hyako. Hyako was probably like that time period's Jijebu for those people where it was like the show that they watched as it was airing that was moderately popular among like certain people and it kind of tapered off and eventually like no one really remembers Kyoran Kazukuniki anymore. Jijibu is probably kind of in a similar situation now where like people basically forgotten about it like 10 years later. Um, but you're getting less of that, I guess, as like people are kind of progressing in like anime preservation and like you have so much. I guess it's it's almost like a two two edged sword, I guess, in a way where like you're having all these shows that are being preserved and won't get forgotten about. But as a result, the backlog is like massive. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely <laughs> so it's, huge. Like, it's like, how do you navigate that? Coming into a try. And well, that's the thing. That's where like things like AnyTube, I feel, and the, the cyclical nature of, you know, the topics that we cover, like that's where that's kind of like really useful. It's like, well, you kind of beat the dead horse, especially with like Angel Beats. Like that's been talked about to death. But if right. a creator you've just started following, you're a new fledgling weeb, and suddenly there's a video about Angel Beats in 2024, it's like, oh my God, what's this? And then you can kind of, you know, you have a curator to kind of guide you along that along that path. And I feel like the curation side of things, kind of like the same way like a museum. A museum will have thousands of artifacts and things sitting in the back room, and only a few hundred of those end up going out on display. 
and they can right. kind That's of a good analogy. They, yeah. they can organize it, you know, you know, show people a cohesive image, whether that be of a time period or a topic or for anime specifically like a genre or even just a mood or a feeling like and they kind of like you can get really deep into the niches like uh, like um, uh, what's her name? She wrote True Tears. She wrote a bunch of melodrama. I know her name. Mario Okada. Yes. Mario Okada. Like you could just have a like a week long binge session of Mario Okada stuff at this point. Like or even yeah. longer, like, you know, like Go Sick, uh, like True Tears, um, like like all of these all of these really great shows. If you wanted to just feel brutally depressed, you know, it's like <laughs> as we move forward, I feel like content like that is going to become a lot more valuable because there's going to be so much to sort through. The average person isn't really going to be able to know what to parse of it. In that sense, we'll basically all become anime historians, for lack of a better term. Yeah, like I, it's interesting you talk about being cyclical. Because there was a video that kind of came in my feed recently, which I think it was like a year old. Like it wasn't it wasn't super old at that point, but it was about uh, Kokoro Connect. Uh, and yeah. Like I was around when it aired. I didn't watch <laughs> it when it aired, but like I watched it kind of immediately after it aired because it was like a popular show in 2012 for people watching. Um, but they were talking about. Like initially I was like, I saw the thumbnail and the title. I was like, oh God, this is going to be some stupid video about them talking about that stupid masturbation joke and like trying to <laughs> fucking make it like they, the anime failed because like some girl was sexual or something. And then I watched <laughs> it. I was like, oh no, he's just talking about the, the, um, the actor like controversy that happened. I had completely forgotten about it. Oh, right. That was a thing. I forgot yeah. about that. That was, I remember, I remember watching videos about that and being like, Oh my God, that's crazy. I even forget what the controversy specifically was, but I do remember that there was a controversy. And at the time I was, uh, I was like, really, I was really kind of put off by it. I was like, Oh my God, my anime, what's happening. Yeah. It, um, it's a it's a huge channel. Oh, okay, I pulled it up. Um, it's low art. Uh, so he's he's already he doesn't need the weeb crew bump, but I'll I'll shout out the video because it was a talking really about? good video. What the fuck are you talking about? He needs the weeb crew. Everyone, <laughs> everyone needs the goddamn weeb crew bump. We need to show show out weeb crew. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I just oh my god! The fuck out of Jesus my audience. Represent. Um, oh but it's interesting that we're talking about that like the curation thing. The the threads are being. My my almonds are firing, right? The threads are being <laughs> my synopsis. The, five, the neurons, fucking almonds in your goddamn I'm, pants. The numbers, I'm Mason. What do they mean? I'm, I'm fucking cooking right now, right? Okay, so we can kind of tie, you know, content creation and like this idea of like curation and how it's all cyclical to kind of how it has become difficult to parse through, like, you know, this backlog of uh, anime, right? We're starting to kind of see that with anime content on YouTube, where there is so much fucking anime content on YouTube. There are videos that probably blew up at one point, maybe like six, seven years ago, that if you search for it, you won't find it until like the third page because of its like relevancy. Like there's so many people that have started trying to make videos and fell off or did make videos that were popular and they retired. You know, there's it's what we're looking at, like at least 13 years of like contemporary sort of like anime content. Like obviously before that you had stuff too. And some of that probably carries over, but that's going to be like very early YouTube. 
it's like content as we know it right now, like right. in the format that that we're used to um, and that right. people would still want to engage with at least more than on a curiosity. Like I'd rather there's, there's I'd not- rather flog my own testicles and watch some of YouTube's early videos. Like they're terrible. <laughs> they're absolutely terrible. I'm not going to. There, there aren't many people who want to engage with like the early like dude puts his webcam on the table back in like 2007 and like 360p where it ends at nine minutes 59 seconds because of the time fucking there's all there's all these de-interlacing errors oh it's a mess yeah there's like some beeping in the background there's not a lot of people that want to engage with that but um yeah even even if you just take the quote-unquote contemporary kind of stuff people don't have a full grasp on how just how much anime content is being uploaded daily I'm telling you right now, Mumi, I don't unless it, if it wasn't for you anyways, because I know like you're always posting stuff and you're you're sorting by most recent upload, which is and that's more patience than I could ever have. So so hat off, stuff my hat's post, off to you. <laughs> the stuff I post is just the stuff I can find. Right. That's me being like certain search terms. There's shit that I can't even find. Like. Uh, this pro- we're, we've been working on a project, uh, the Anitube list, right? I don't know if you've you might have seen it. We've probably talked about it a little bit, um, but if you haven't, this could be your introduction. Yeah, to no, it. no, 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 because um, I was the one who originally suggested having like the um, a website. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you I remember that. Now. I can't believe you forgot um, it's, my my impacts <laughs> to this project, and I'm already being. <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to litigation is what's gonna happen here. Moving. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I've only spearheaded the idea, so I'm not. I'm like the Steve Jobs, where I'm. I'm like You're the ideas I come up guy, on stage. You know? Yeah, I, I yeah. like. I'm like, hey, I came uh, up with this idea. It's honestly <laughs> a pretty good the- idea because, like, again, like the curation side of things is it, it is important. Like a curation for curators. That's kind of where we're at right now, which is yeah. weird. <laughs> like, but like doing that, right? There has been a shit ton of channels that I found just going through the website casually and I'm like, holy fuck, I've never heard of this fucking channel. And I'm the one that's like <laughs> doing this kind of shit to try to find people. Yeah. It's just so fucking like bizarre to me. Like how many fucking people are out there? They're like shouting into the void and this algorithm has ignored them. And it's just fucking weird. Yeah. And or like, you have, sorry, no, you keep, you keep going. You keep going. That's good. That's good. Just keep cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you also have like I'm just this is like a small point, but you also have like people who are moderately successful that I had never heard of until more recently. Like um this Pico the Spicy Warlord. Like I hadn't heard of him until Shabes did a digest on him on fucking uh his uh Grumpy G Son video. No, no shit. Like and he's got ten thousand subs. So I'm like, what the fuck? Or like I think uh I think uh uh Sai kind of ran into that a little bit with Phenom Sage's content, and he's got like 60,000 subs. Yeah. Jesus. Like, it's just so bizarre, like, how many fucking people are out there that we're just not kind of interacting with. Yeah, and I think, too, well, for every, like, for every creator that you find, there's another 10 that have just kind of died in obscurity. Like, you say, like, the average life expectancy of a weeb is six months. I'd argue the life expectancy of an anti-tuber is even less. Like, one, one video, like a couple of videos. <laughs> they don't get any views and that's it. That's it. They never come. There is there like, is a meme about podcasts specifically where it's like, I think it's like three or four episodes 
and like once you get past that point, you're in like the top one percent of creators right. that have made it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah well, that's basically it. Uh, but like, uh, well, where was I going with that? Yeah, it's like um, when I first when I first started when I made the Macross video, I think that was like eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. And I was in a Discord group, kind of similar to the to the one that we're in now. Um, but there were a lot of anti-tubers who were just kind of getting their start with things. Um, sure. Out of all of the all of the anti-tubers, because we all started, I think I had I had maybe a hundred subscribers. Buddy had a hundred. Buddy had like Buddy had a couple thousand, and we thought that was huge. Um, out of everybody in that group. I am the only one still making videos <laughs> like, yeah. so it's like, and, and all of their videos have just kind of gotten buried under the sands of time. So like, while, while it's really hard to find some of these older videos, what ends up happening that I've found anyways, if I'm looking for content on an anime, like I, I recently watched go sick for the first time, um, sure. which aired ages ago. But I was looking, I wanted to watch some videos analyzing, you know, the plot and kind of how it did things and maybe maybe the direction and stuff like that. Because um, Mario Kata is my shit and fucking Aoi was the main voice actress. So I was like, man, this is my jam. And the the all of the videos that came up were like, you know, it's like glass reflections kind of style videos. And yeah. that's just very like uh, not not what I'm looking for. You know, the stuff that I actually want is kind of buried under these videos that went viral about a decade ago. You know, and the newer stuff that's coming out, it's like, well, fucking it's like finding a needle in a haystack at this point. It's like the good stuff I really want. But it's like there's a snowflake's chance in hell I'm actually going to be able to find it. I guess they kind of act as like a, a time capsule in a way. Right. Because like these are videos that came out when it aired. And like was the immediate kind of reaction to that sub like the the show. So it acts as like this time capsule you can kind of go back and kind of peek into and be like, oh, so this is kind of what the discussion was about that show at the time. Yeah. And I honestly think that's really valuable from from like uh like I guess if I'm coming into something like let's say let's say I'm born today and you know 20 years from now, I'm a weeb. And I want to watch right. something from 2005. But like the world is so different, you know, like the way that I feel and interpret that media, like this might be completely flabbergasting that these things are happening or that these characters are doing this thing. Like there's there's no context. I don't have that cultural context because I'm just so far detached. So being able to go back and see how people actually engaged with this stuff, even things like the formats that it was released on that could influence your kind of engagement with it and how you experience it and how you view it. Um, if somebody who pays money to buy a DVD is going to have a much different experience with something than somebody who pirated it and watched it for free, you know? Right. Yeah. Like stuff yeah. like that, like little things, little things that kind of end up getting lost with, with time and context. Yeah. You're, you're more likely, like I, that is something that's kind of underrated. Like you're more likely to, attach yourself to something if you had invested something into it right um which i yeah. think kind of explains a lot of like the the sentiment for shows back in the early 2000s where you would just buy something and you'd be like oh i wonder if this is gonna be any good that's what a lot <laughs> of my that's when you would is. buy something that's yeah that would yeah. be that was when you would buy something without knowing anything about it you're just like oh 
this looks kind of cool. Let's see if it's good. Let's see what this is going to fucking be. And then you're like, oh, I wasted my money. Well, so oh God, this is a whole shit. So my my uh, my mentality for the curation that I've had up until this point, because I guess at this point, at this point, I could almost start like a visual museum on the shit that I've managed to collect. Like I have like 500 VHS tapes. I have a couple hundred laser discs at this point. Um, I have a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, my digital collection is up to 40 terabytes now. Um, I have a pretty comprehensive history of modern anime, like yeah. as a whole. Um, but my curation is kind of like, I get it. And then I figure it out afterwards. Like, so all of my VHS <laughs> tapes, because if you go on Fleabay, you're going to get bent over if you just try to buy like if you just want to buy anime vhs tapes and you're like looking at individual tapes somebody's sitting there and they're like they want 80 dollars for the atragon dragon the ball z volume 13 super rare <laughs> you know like it's it's yeah. it's junk so basically uh my my entire vhs collection is just a bunch of random lots that i bought and over time, mm -hmm. I was able to collect enough of these lots, which had off volumes, to fill out entire sets. And like some of that's been, it's been pretty interesting. I've managed to collect all of Bubblegum Crisis 2024, 2044 on VHS, and they're all factory sealed. But every single one oh, of those, wow. all of every single one of those tapes came from different sets that I ended up buying, like lots of 50 tapes, 40 tapes, whatever it was. Um, I managed to collect the entire uh, Martian successor Nadesico, and I've since gone and got that on DVD and Blu-ray. So short of a Laserdisc release, I own the movie on Laserdisc. But once I have Laserdisc, I'll have Martian successor Nadesico on every single visual format it was released <laughs> in, which is just just fucking dope. Like, I don't even know. There's not like a reason for that specifically. Uh, I just think it's really cool. And sometimes being able to do something is uh, is reason enough to do it. Uh, that's my personal mentality with it. Um, for the rest of the stuff, I just find it really interesting finding just random one off things that nobody nobody cares about. Like, I yeah, guess it's like you literally just go through. What is it? Bai is the Japanese uh thing that you need to use is like uh, the proxy service. Well, like buy use, is just like uh, the thing you need to use to buy stuff off uh like yahoo auctions japan i use uh yeah. i use something called it's it's from japan or i guess they changed their name to one map recently that's my proxy auction service hmm. and it i don't know if buy does this too it probably does but from japan aggregates every single used auction site in japan into one oh, okay. search engine so i can search uh rakuten um yahoo auctions um i don't know there's a couple of other ones on there um but they all kind of show up so that's and that's been really useful for me uh for me trying to find like specifically the 1919 ova that i did the capture of and i ripped mm. it took me nine months to track down that laser disc and that was it so it came up it came up on on yahoo auctions and it was like 50 bucks and i was like fuck yeah okay i'm gonna buy this and then somebody else bid on it so somebody else was bidding on it i didn't know if i was gonna win that auction i'd been waiting nine months and then a second volume of it ended up popping up literally like two days uh, later so i put mm -hmm. i put a bid on that one too and then i ended up winning both auctions <laughs> Oh, so 
I got I got both of them, but then it turns out that one of them was actually cracked. Oh, so I wouldn't have yeah. been able to play it, but I had the other one. Um, so do you know? Do you know which one was cracked and which one wasn't? I think it was the it was the first one that I was bidding on was was the was oh. the fucked up one. So it was a good thing that I decided to double down. Um, now I guess I just have an extra sleeve for it. Um, yeah, but yeah, like that. I would have never been able to find that in West Western auction sites. Oh guess, yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. And no. like, as, as far as I know, um, my version of it, I guess for all of its flaws, because I was still kind of figuring out my encoding process. You've done an updated version since like you first did it, right? So the first version was actually a, um, I did an edit of the existing encode. Um, okay. and that was that was a weird one. So, so the existing encode was that was that an orphan release? No, God, no. Orphan would have done a better job. <laughs> orphan would have done a better job. Yeah, no. The uh, the original. I'm not so foolish as to approve all their work. Yeah, no. Orphans, orphans, fucking based. Like I love their work. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. One of their one well, of their got brownie points with orphan, but now whoever did the encode for fucking 1919 originally. It's... Oh, they're not around like, anymore, fucking, man. That, that that laser disc <laughs> rip had a fucking IRC channel burned into it so i'm not God too worried <laughs> yeah like any, oh fun fact i actually uh i actually joined a uh an anime uh torrenting irc uh like last year and they're still active oh, nice. um and you can still download anime from irc clients um so. that's a, that's another thing well maybe we'll get into this later is yeah like irc old communities i man that's a whole uh, thing like it's super cool going into like um have you ever used like any like old like uh, bbs uh, sites? No, no. That's uh, that's that's, that's that, one of my. Is that where you that like is that where you go like, through the IRC and then download the files? No, no, no. no. Like bulletin board system, like really old websites, basically. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Like, like. Okay, we're gonna we're we should come back to that. We'll get into that later. later. Um. What was I saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 1919 rip. So what I did, um, and I guess uh, I I figured this out after the fact, but uh, Japan's Japan's standard for analog video is ever so slightly different from North America standards. Um, so it's NTSC J is what Japan uses. And basically it's Interesting. like, it's, it's a different, uh, the way that they encode the, um, the brightness information, I guess not encode cause it's analog, but the way that the, the brightness information is printed onto the media is a little bit higher or a little bit lower. Um, I for, I forget which way it goes. But the the existing rip of 1919 had been captured with the NTSC North American uh, standard or assumption. Mm. So what ended up happening was like there was this weird gray film over everything. Um, mm. And it was just kind of washing out all of the details. It was really distracting, especially since that OVA is really dark, too. There's a lot of nighttime scenes. Yeah, all these it. like club scenes and stuff. So it's like, man, this looks like shit. So, mm -hmm. so I saw that because I think we, I think you posted, we were doing it as like a group watch and then you posted the, or one of the links for it anyways. Um, and I, I downloaded it in advance and I watched it. I was like, man, this just looks like such dog shit. Like we can't watch this. Like this was mm -hmm. after I was coming off my high horse from the Arisa good luck thing. Um, yeah. and, uh, what I did is I dragged it into after effects. I, I put it into Lumetri color. Um, and then I did color correction on the, on the one, uh, and then I copied the file 
I ran the file through like AI upscalers three or four different times at various resolutions hmm. um, using different denoising profiles that were available. This is when I was first getting started out. I didn't really, I didn't really know any better. You were um, just kind of like trying to like figure this stuff out, right? Yeah. And then I, I, I crunched it all down back to the base resolution. And then in After Effects, I overlaid it as like this sandwich, essentially. This horrifying, grotesque monster of video. Um, and it actually ended up coming out looking a fair bit better than the original. Um, and that was just due to a lot of the color correction and then oversampling the upscales and then kind of crunching it down and a lot of really de- aggressive denoising. But I wasn't, mm. I, I really wasn't happy with that, which is why I spent so long trying to track down the laser disc. Um, mm-hmm. Moving forward, um, I guess, I think the encode that I'm most proud of is the Dragon's Heaven um, OVA. Oh, yeah. I was able to get that looking pretty, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to blow smoke up my ass because I imagine there's some sweaty encoder out there that's going to be like, actually, you, when they zoom in to the video, they could probably see all of my dirty secrets and everything that I've done wrong in my <laughs> life. Um, but I, th- I think that looked pretty fucking good, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. so I kind of did, I did a mix of, of, like actual encoding, I ripped metadata files directly from the DVD. I, I kind of like, I, I went in, I had AviSynth working at that point. AviSynth is a script-based um, video encoding software. Um, so you basically write Java synth scripts. Um, and I actually, um, uh, if, I'm, if I'm on the TV right now, I, I actually have a screen share as part of my webcam setup. So I can show you what an AviSynth script looks like. Um, this was for Timbatsu. Live practical application. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this was this is for Timbatsu Angel Rabbi, which I was actually working on transcribing the subtitles earlier. I thought this would be kind of interesting. But this is basically what the um, the anatomy of an Avi script ends up ends up the AviSynth script ends up looking like. I'll just kind of zoom in. Um, yeah. So in this case. The weirdest thing is that it's a lot easier to, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to capture a laser disc raw and then encode that than it is to encode mm-hmm. a DVD file. Um, okay. Which is kind of like backwards to the way that you would think it would be, except right. the issue that I found with DVD files is that even though DVDs are digital, they came out during a time when they still needed to adhere to analog video formats. So there's like this weird middle zone of okay uh, of video. So they have all of the all of the worst parts of digital, all the digital compression, all the bullshit, and then all the worst parts of analog. So like the formatting's weird, the the aspect ratio can be fucked up if you don't know how to deal with it. The interlacing is a pain in the ass. The uh, the telescene specifically, um, like I guess the way that it needed to be printed onto a VHS tape all of that ended up getting transferred into the digital release. So dealing with it properly is a huge headache. Um, and in this case, it involves basically getting a direct video stream of every frame inside of the DVD file. You then end up getting a, uh, where is it? Oh yeah, it's here. It's called a D2V file, but it looks like this. Hmm. Um, and a D2V file is just a big text file. It's like 20,000 lines. And every single one of these lines is a different frame of video. And then these numbers are like alphanumeric code 
that are identifying specific attributes of the frame and AviSynth knows how to deal with and interpret that data so that it can properly process the footage. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's like kind of the bare minimum that you need to do. <laughs> There's just, uh, when I first got into it, I, I think I was like a lot of other people where I thought it was going to be easy. And uh, it you just, uh, you just put the you just put the thing in handbrake and there you go. Don't even get me started on handbrake, man. Don't even <laughs> fucking get me started on handbrake. OK, OK, I'm getting started. I'm getting started on it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I also I've had a few beers so far. I'm, I'm having I'm having a good time. So I sorry if I keep rambling, just tell me to shut up and I'll uh, no, that's fine at any time. But yeah, no, Handbrake has a hundred buttons and they all exist for the sole purpose of fucking you. Okay. <laughs> that is the only thing, the only thing Handbrake does. It doesn't do anything else. It fucks you. Okay. Don't use Handbrake. <laughs> I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anybody ask me about Handbrake again, because ever since I started actually getting decent with encoding, I've been getting a lot of people messaging me on Discord about just random encoding stuff. And every mm-hmm. time they open up with like, I'm using handbrake. I'm having some problems. Can you help me out? I'm like, there's your first problem. You're using handbrake. <laughs> your That's problem. your problem. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, and you're just like, you're using the wrong frame rate. You need to set it to no, 23 points. No, 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 no. It's not even that. It's not even. Okay. Not even okay, that. But like there's, okay. The frame rates, man, the frame rates. Okay. Ugh. There's so much. There's so much wrong with encoding. I, I feel like it got lost in the sauce. You know how we're talking about like, you know, um, like anti-tubers getting lost to the sands of time. Um, I feel like <laughs> encoding, like analog media, has become this arcane art form that just mm-hmm. nobody... Can you put something else on the background, by the way? I'm worried about the flashing oh, lights yeah. might cause someone the fuck is to that? seize yeah. while watching this. That's Galforce. I don't know why. I don't know... Galforce is a fucking Galforce is a trip, I guess. Yeah, sorry. I saw that. Kind of was kind of making me look evil there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So anyways, um yeah, basically there's there's a lot going on there. So I don't know if you noticed, but YouTube, other websites, they're inundated with 4K 60 FPS AI upscales. Yeah. yeah. And they're that is wrong for so many reasons. Um, and I've had conversations with people about it and those people are, you know, I don't know, they're huffing paint or something like that because they, <sighs> I don't, I don't get, I, I understand it on one level because I think the 60 FPS thing is a way to avoid copyright. But beyond that, I don't even know if it I have, does, does it? I mean, I guess that would make um, sense. It, it, it yeah. might, it might help skirt. I think you're talking about the interpolated systems. 60 FPS yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. 60 yeah. FPS that, interpolation. Maybe that would actually, maybe that would get around copyright. I hadn't actually thought about it that way. Yeah, I think it might skirt YouTube's uh, internal systems, but oh, it looks so bad. Yeah, the only the, oh, the only thing I so think about bad. when I see that is just my my internal my internal monologues just screaming. Uh, with mm-hmm. wrath and vitriol, I wish I could just—I <laughs> wish I could just burn it all to the ground in that moment. Because essentially, and what a lot of people don't realize, um, and I think some of this has to do with the overlap from the retro video gaming community. Um, but anime is not 30 frames per second; it's not 60 frames per second; 
it's 24 frames per second or 23.976 if we want to get specific. Yeah, if you really, you know, that's, and it does matter in some context. And it's essentially been like it's a 1990s style of interpolation into 30 frames per second. So mm-hmm. it's not native 30, 30 frames per second. And in fact, 30 frames per second doesn't exist because it's interlaced. So it's actually 30 fields per second, which is even worse. Yeah. Um. You know, so so we have there's there's a lot going on there. Or is it 60? You talk about when you talk about like frustration with DVD releases, uh, that's like a big thing when it comes to like especially early DigiPaint shows like uh, Kino Notabi, uh, Aria. Oh, it's a huge where, thing. It's where it's these pan. It's the animation itself is obviously done on twos and stuff, but then the pans, the the pans and zooms are not only done. Uh, on one, but then they are also it. 30 FPS yes. and it kills me. Yes, because early, early DVDs supported variable frame rate video. And yeah. that is AIDS. <laughs> Absolute. That is, that is They were so caught up with asking whether or not they could. They didn't think about whether or not they should. No. So, so, and it's, and it's, uh, I, I love that you brought that up because Timbatsu Angel Rabbi has that exact same fucking thing. And mm. I can't for the life of me get get rid of it. Um, and the the weird thing is though is that like so it happens with digital pans. So for some of the yeah yeah for for some of the pans for some of the pans they did it the the normal way where it'd be twenty four yeah, like yeah and then other ones they're just like yeah fuck it throw it in the blender thirty frames per second it's fine fucking yep. buddy has a Macintosh he can do it. Um, we we we've got After Effects now baby yeah so like at, at least I. I'm sure if I really put if I really put the the sword to the grindstone, I could figure I, I could fuck around and find out enough to isolate it into Batsu and Jurabi. But what I would end up making would be a variable frame rate video. And I don't even think YouTube supports that. If I'm being completely honest, I'd probably I end up. Don't know. I'd probably end up because I've seen telecined videos on YouTube before and they look like yeah. ass. Like, oh, yeah, it's really bad stuttery all over the fucking place. So, like, I don't think YouTube would be able to handle it in the first place. So I'm just going for the lesser of two evils. I'm I'm sending it through a standard IVTC, which is inverse telecine, which is to get rid of those duplicated frames. Um, And then just I'm going to throw it up on YouTube. And from what I can tell too, the original upload or the original encode that has the hard subs also had the same telecine issues. So. There's a chance that if I really tried to figure it out, I might just end up running into the same problems that they ended up having. Um, so mm-hmm. for the time and the effort and what I'm doing, it's kind of a balance, I suppose, where I, I want to make something that looks good and kind of stands up to the to the, to the sands of time. As right. Were. Yeah. But I also don't want to waste my entire life just working on one random one off OVA, uh, you know, and, and then have and it being like, it. I guess there's there's like that thing as well, where it's like perfectionism versus yeah. it being like. Okay, who is actually going to notice this? That is, I don't know, a very specific problem. So, so I don't know if you've ever been in any like encoding circles specifically. Oh, uh, I'm active. I'm not. I don't know, active, but I am in like the Kinako video Discord. I don't actually know um, about that one, but I mean, I, I I do know that people people get very adept at picking out certain things. Oh yeah, and like things that I, me as a regular viewer. I'm just not noticing like there's like people refuse to watch like 
when it comes to like seasonal anime, anything like released by uh, a group that will use like uh, H.264, H.265 encoding just because they don't like the compression on it. Yeah, And I don't notice yeah, the compression. That's OK. So there's the thing, though, is that some of that um, is that some of that ego is actually like based in ignorance, I suppose. Um, mm. like the H264, H265 thing. Um, nowadays we have some pretty good codecs that do really good with the, yeah. but those codecs are specifically tuned for media that we're, you know, it consuming today, like Blu-rays. Right. And that's, yeah. that's where the encoding community has gone. They've all gone to Blu-rays. Nobody gives a shit about DVDs anymore. That's why all of the programs <laughs> that I'm using are like 20 years old. Um, so you know, the Blu-ray side of things is a lot different, but what ends up happening is like a lot of a lot of people who know a surface level amount about, you know, Blu-ray encoding, they'll kind of try to apply that uh, in even strokes across the entire, you know, kind of plethora of media, as it were. Um, when in reality, H.264, even though H.264 is older, you'll actually end up getting better results in it. In my experience, at least, I get better results with H.264 on analog media because the radio frequency noise that comes off of analog media captures really starts to mess with modern encoding uh, mm. codecs, which which are okay. more tuned towards digital uh, compression. Which, yeah, where you're not going to have to deal with um, just yeah as much noise because it's a Blu-ray. So if I'm if I'm dealing with like later DVD releases or, you know, I, I've encoded the occasional Blu-ray, but I kind of try to stay away from that because like I don't really know if there's merit, at least not presently. in. Is there, yeah. Is there a market for it when there's other things in the back catalog that probably should be preserved or take like priority? Exactly. So it's like um, but yeah, as far as it goes, like the uh, yeah, I guess as we move more further into the future, I think that's going to become a bit more of an issue where some of this stuff, a lot of this stuff will work. And I think that's the dangerous thing about programs like Handbrake is that they kind mm. of work. They give you a video. And if you're not ready for it, well, you're going to think that it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. In reality, all you've done is just fucked up a perfectly good source file. And somebody like me is just going to come along in five years and just curl up into a ball, experiencing physical pain, <laughs> looking at all of it. And like, no, encoding, no, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm as bad as some people. But the more the more that I've done it, the more that it's kind of like red pilled me on video as an idea. Like I'll start watching <laughs> like I'll start watching like I, I still use Crunchyroll as much of a plebeian yeah. as I am for doing that, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a masochist. I just like hurting myself. Um, and sometimes I'll be watching a show on Crunchyroll and I'll just be like, who was the fucking idiot in the office the day they decided to upload this? Like, this is unacceptable. There's eight, there's H265 blocking everywhere. There's fucking halos. The chrome is bleeding. There's dot crawl. There, there's pixels banding everywhere. all over this. Oh my God. Yeah. The banding, so, the banding. It's awful. I, we were, when we watched, um, this will be relevant for a video coming out soon, or maybe it'll be already be out by the time this is uh, done. Uh, for Summer of the Gods, we watched it on Netflix. God help And you. Summer of the Gods is a beautiful movie. But while sitting there watching, I'm just like, oh, because of, <laughs> of the streaming service <laughs> yeah. compression. Yeah, the I was like, oh, no. And I guess that's another thing is like a lot of stuff is being put on streaming services nowadays and it's not getting a physical release. Yep. And that's and that's going yeah. to be moving forward like. 
I mean, as much as people like to as much as people like to shit on, you know, things like upscaling and these kind of AI denoisers, like they're a tool, I suppose. So yeah. like I hate 60K, you know, 60 FPS, 4K interpolation channels with a fucking passion. But the program that they're using, I have the programs that they're using. I know how yeah. to use them and integrate them into a workflow. And, and as long as you, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like drugs. You don't do too many of them, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess. And then you'll be fine. Please note that the Weep Crew does not support recreational drug use. See, there it is, the disclaimer. But it's basically <laughs> the same thing. It's like they're they're just pumping it full, and moderation is really key. Moving moving forward, as things become more and more digital, these AI tools are gonna be the only way that we can kind of edge out that that last little bit. Because yeah. despite their despite their shortcomings, like they usually over sharpen things, they blow out a lot of details, they kind of mess with the color information in general. Mm. Um, but they're really good at removing things like halo and banding in colors. So the smooth gradients end up getting restored as long as you're careful with how you use okay. them. Um, Just yeah, introduces, yeah, like dithering and stuff. Yeah, it, it basically, yeah, it does a really nice job of dithering things. So you, you can, it, it's like makeup. It's like makeup for a video. Um, and that's right. all good encoding really is at the end of the day. Um, if you put shit in, you get shit out. But if you have something that's okay, you know, and you know how to work with it, you can massage it and and get it into something that that you know you can put on a, a big screen projector. M- much like much like makeup, it's all about accenting your natural beauty. Exactly, exactly. I hadn't thought about that. It's before. funny. So it's funny we talk about like encoders <laughs> and like culture and stuff because it rigs a bind back in like 2014, 2015-ish. Um, there was a kind of an infamous encoder in, in certain circles uh named dies who did like this big expose on like Crunchyroll because like they had been like lowering slowly slowly lowering the bandwidth on all their streams yeah they were even on premium membership yeah they were so it's like <laughs> you're paying for the best quality and they were making it actively worse to save money on the back end for like digital and he learns like he put like so like people are like well, why are you like not like country roll but it's like because of this kind of shit well, <laughs> doing yeah. like- okay okay and this is thing this is something that you know you really only you really only know or think about if you're an anime boomer but country roll was basically kiss anime back in the day it started yeah, as a pirate yeah, original website. thing not a lot of people talk about is country roll started off as a goddamn piracy Dude, website that's how they got enough money to start licensing anime they literally stole it they faked it until they could make it um yeah so to hear like you know white knights exclaiming the the beauty of legal digital streaming and how they support the industry i just i don't i guess like a like a little bit, like I pay for Crunchyroll with, with several asterisks yeah. after that statement. Like I pay for well, Crunchyroll, but that's just because I can't be fucked to download torrents on my phone. You know, mm. <laughs> like, well, what's funny is like they say that like, oh, it's 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 ethical. Like you're you're paying for it. It's like, bitch, look at look at Smuggler's Room right now. You think you're spending that kind of money? Right. <laughs> Like, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. I've had I've had people like I mean, admittedly, they don't know me very well, but I've had people be like, oh, I can't believe you're not supporting the industry more. And I am like, 
motherfucker. Like, well, who the fuck do you think you're talking? Get on my goddamn That's level, you plebeian. Okay, come. The fucking industry um, is built around merchandise. Like, it's yeah. not built around you know you paying the studio. Like, Streaming that would be great. Services, yeah, it would be great if that becomes more of a thing where the studio is able to get more and more money. Sure. But like that's how the industry is kind of structured for the Japanese audience is them selling yeah. merchandise. And so yeah. if you're buying merchandise, you're like whatever. Where, yeah, what is the year studios now? themselves, if you look at the data, see very, very little of overseas revenue when it comes yes. to anime. And honestly, what, what is it like? Well, what is the control subscription? Uh, current, I don't know. I think they bumped it up. 60 a year. It's like, I don't know. No, it's like 10 bucks a month for me or maybe more. I think it's yeah, something like 10, 15 dollars a month. I'm yeah. paying in Canadian pesos. So it's, uh, it's not, <laughs> well, it's not we'll good. Say, we'll say 120. Take that 120 bucks and buy like a couple of fucking figures off Ami Ami. You've already supported the industry much more. Oh, man. Way more. Control. One of my figures yeah. has done more for the anime industry than the five years I've had Crunchyroll premium. Um, oh, well, yeah. it's it's also a thing where it's like, and I, and I don't want to get too political here because it's not a political podcast, isn't it? Isn't it? But um, there's also this thing where it's like, does supporting the industry d- help? Does it do anything? Because you know, you're not like, uh, guys. All right, Amazon is mistreating the fuck out of its workers. We need to buy more from Amazon. All right, so they can be paid more. And it's like that's not okay. So. That's not how this works. Well, so can I kind of bring it all full circle? It's like, well, like anime is art as a commodity. Like it was, you know, it's mm-hmm. been purpose built to kind of push stuff as, you know, like it, it's simply extra marketing material for physical merchandise. And that's one of the yeah. reasons that it differs a lot from any sort of Western European or even East other East Asian types of, of media. Um, mm-hmm. Because usually when you're consuming Western media, or, you know, you know, that media from around the country or from around the world. The point is the media, you know? Yeah. I guess like, like you know, they're not making the TV show for Lost. You know, they're making Lost in order to sell Lost Blu-rays and DVDs or, or maybe to a certain extent, something like, I guess, comparable would be The Walking Dead. But even then, that's because The Walking Dead is part of this huge media franchise that is kind of unique when it comes to American media and the walking dead itself was initially created as you know, at least I think it was, well, it had some, it had some graphic novels that it was based on. It it was a graphic novel series, but the TV show was not created to To, to bolster sales in the graphic novel series. So it was made to support its own weight as a TV show, right? Right, Commercially. As well as as well you as know. you know critically and creatively, it's very adverti- advertiser driven. You know commercials and all that sort of thing. It was only you know? after it blew up they were like, okay, video like, game time fuck toys, fucking everything. Let's Dozens of Facebook games. Hmm. Facebook games. God, the fucking Facebook games back in like 2012. I don't know what you're talking about? I, I oh, what was the one Facebook game I always played? It was like Empires and Allies or some shit. Oh yeah, something it was like a Zynga lines. game, yeah, like, and I I had the biggest yeah. base of anybody on my friends list, and I I fucked God, them all you up. fucking zoomers. I, I'm a man. I'm a that's a millennial thing. Zoomers are like playing Snapchat games. Not even a something. millennial thing. That Facebook games are also for like thing. boomers. Yeah, Facebook's for boomers now, man. Fucking that, yeah. I, I guess know, now I, yeah. I stopped using Facebook around like 2010. Yeah, I feel like I aged like, out of it. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Facebook games to me is like just Farmville. Like that's the only Facebook game I would Farmville, fuck over. Farmville, yeah. 
I didn't. No, 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 no. I think it was Empire's Allies or whatever, but it was like the same time as Farmville. But I thought Farmville was stupid because it was about farming, and Empire's and Allies had tanks and stuff. And oh, I thought that's like Empire's, were, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was like or some. Yeah, it was. It was basically hey. Farmville with tanks. Uh, it's really stupid. And yeah, now I'm now I'm just absolutely addicted to World of Warships, and hey. they have a lot of anime crossover events, which always end up emptying my wallet. Uh, which I also think is weird that uh, Cancole and Arpeggio of Blue Steel are still alive and well on World of Warships. Um, I think that's the, I guess the staying power of certain like intellectual properties as far as anime concern has always kind of surprised me. Um, mm. Arpeggio of Blue Steel was never one that I really expected, but like every year, like clockwork, there's another Arpeggio of Steel crossover on World of Warships. And World of Warships, it's not cheap, I guess. Like, one of those boats in the game costs about 100 bucks at least. Oh, my God. Um, like, my my WoW's inventory, just just because they have so many weeb crossovers, I think I have, like, a $2,000 sunk into that game. And that's just in waifu boats. Like, I have yeah. High School Fleet, Arpeggio of Blue Steel, uh, Azur Lane, Cancole, all the ship girls, basically, at this point. Um, so you are, so you, you are the ideal anime consumer. It's funny that we talk about this though, because there's a massive exception to this whole commercialism angle that we've not mentioned because no one in, no one in North America is really conscious of it. And it's the most popular fucking TV anime. Sazai-san has so little in terms of one, it's never had physical media releases. Uh, it's, I don't think it's ever had like any movie tie-ins, all there is really is the manga, which has been out like I don't even I don't know if it's out of print, but it's obviously like, you know, Sazai-san is not playing on Japanese TV, getting millions of views every Sunday night to sell the manga like like 50 years after it fucking ended. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, so, yeah, it's interesting to me just because, yeah, you know, you talk about anime is like this commercial thing, but then the biggest most popular TV anime that has been on the air since the 1960s has kind of managed to avoid a lot of the commercialism you see in TV anime. It's very strange, honestly. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't be so quick to assume that because, you know, we're, we're looking at it from, from our perspective, but like this, I'm like, this is a kid's show. I'm assuming this plays like yeah. Saturday morning, Sunday morning cartoon. Play. No, this plays uh, this plays like Sunday evening. Okay, well, Sunday prime time. It is there is a thing called Sazaison syndrome because it's <laughs> it signals it signals the end of the weekend and work and work and school start again tomorrow. So people so just get depressed. People just watch Sazaison and they're like, oh my god, I have to. And go it's back. like, oh yeah, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Well, it was nice while it lasted. Um, Unless you work at a black company, then you just never leave work. You just never leave. But, you know, there's also stuff like, uh, you know, of course, Doraemon is a fucking massive giant when it comes to merchandise. Uh, probably even to like, you know, Shinshan has like so many fucking movies. Detective Conan is fucking, you know, just all over the place, stuff like that. So, you know, it's not like a, like an exact thing. And of course, you know, One Piece, Precure. Uh, Demon Slayer, whenever that's airing, that stuff all also does really well on TV. But I, but I'd say Zison is the reigning champ every goddamn week. 
Well, I mean, we like from a Western perspective, like collecting merchandise and even from the Japanese perspective where we typically or how we typically view anime, um, this might be less commercialized. But I'm willing mm-hmm. to bet that advertisers will pay a, a, a fucking a king's ransom to oh, get yes. slots on whatever whatever time slot that this happens to be running in. Set, yeah, set that's probably the big. That's probably the big thing. That's probably, probably a lot one of the more, biggest advertising blocks. There's probably a lot of like tie-ins too, like kind of like the old like uh, uh, Astro Boy. Well, there's stuff. an interesting component too because like the idea of Sazaisan is like basically I don't I don't know if it's every I haven't seen the show so I'm just going off what I've read. Is like every episode, you know, uh, they'll like visit like a different town or different place in Japan. So part of it, part of the scheme that uh, I guess for the TV anime the, is the local you'll have these boards. like local municipalities <laughs> being like, hey, we'll like, you know, pay you to come to our, to have Sazai-san come to our town and maybe boost some tourism. I always thought that was the weirdest thing, like out of, out of all of the ways that, uh, that an anime can make money. It's like, well, we're going to set this in like rural Hokkaido. Uh, yeah, for no like other reason. The Junrei pilgrimages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, and then they'll then they'll plaster the anime characters all over their local rail transit, and, so, yeah. and make money that way. I guess I it know. works because like I, I, it I works. Does the shrine in Shihayafudu is like a pilgrimage spot, and that's not <laughs> even like that big of a fucking show, right? Or a pro- property. I guess it's people are bigger in the manga a lot of time. Um, but uh, yeah, it does. It does kind of beg the question, like how they kind of perceive Sazaya-san versus how we would perceive like The Simpsons or something. The Simpsons, yeah. or Family Guy. Nobody's trying to go to make a pilgrimage to Springfield. I, I, well, I don't know. Hardcore, the, the there, hardcore uh, guys would, I imagine. But there, for the so most part, you. I don't know if you were aware of this, but there was a big deal about Springfield. Because they never actually say where Springfield is. And so yeah. there were multiple Springfields that were claiming to be the, the Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> and when the Simpsons movie came out, there was an actual like contest or, or some kind of like they, they made this decision of like where the official Springfield was. Right. Really? Yeah. I didn't I actually didn't know about that, but that's 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 pretty based. And that movie was amazing too. Like it was probably one of the best westerns. So I'm gonna say everyone says like they don't like no like it's never been specified where Springfield is, but then I'm just remembering there's a joke in the movie where they specify where fucking Springfield is. Well, I think that was probably part of it. I think that was like the that was competition. Part of, that was yeah. part of the thing, yeah. Because it's like when they're about to like spoilers for the fucking Simpsons movie. It's like when they're about to like nuke the town or whatever. And there's a thing where it's like, come visit this crater. It's not where anything like was or used to be. And it's like in like the they give like the location when doing that. What's funny about that is like they used to say it was Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> like my the people in my life. Yeah, I always thought it was yeah, Illinois. The, like my yeah. family and stuff like that. We're like, oh, the Simpsons is based out of Illinois. I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool. And then like when that came up, I was like, wait. They've never actually said where it's right. based out of. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting example oh. that I've, uh, I was wondering about is like, um, like this small, like rural town Higurashi is based on. Um, and I was like yeah. wondering, you know, do you think because it's a small town, do you think people get annoyed by like fucking like obnoxious otakus like walking around their like town, their small town and being like just doing weird shit? Probably. Maybe? But then I looked it up and it turns out. No, they're probably used to it because it's a goddamn World Heritage site. Oh, uh, well, that makes oh, sense. Oh, so, 
So, so they're from so they're already UNESCO if anything, World if anything this fucking awesome. visual novel is like the least of like the like tourism they're getting because it is it's um it specifically has to do with some of the buildings in the town. Uh, they have like a very specific kind of roof or whatever that is like historically important. So it's been declared as like a World Heritage site. Um, when was it declared as a World Heritage? I, well, I mean, we don't have to look it up, but I'd be curious. Because it'd be interesting if that's the reason why it was picked specifically. As yeah, the, yeah. For, like, I, I don't know. Because, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like I, I know the creator. Like he was looking like as as a civil servant, he was specifically looking for settings and places that kind of embodied uh, rural Japan mm-hmm. and kind of kind of that, yeah. Well, I guess that it, it's a very that feeling. It's a very picturesque place, and of course, the fucking backgrounds in the original visual novel are just goddamn photographs with a <laughs> shitty filter over them. He probably, yeah, just went there, just went there on a trip. One yeah, time. I guess that's the other like, thing. Oh, no, yeah, one's that gonna, place no one's going to give you a weird look if you're just walking around taking pictures of stuff because it's a, already a popular tourist destination. Yeah, I mean, fuck, you'll work with what you got, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like, I, I, I really like, I really like works like Higurashi. Um, mm-hmm. just like conceptually, I suppose, because they were made by one dude and his family. Yeah, that's um, the fun. That's the key know, thing about Higurashi is like, it's like, oh, it's this like fucked up story and all this. Then it's just like, yeah, you know, uh, his like dad was like helping him ship stuff out. His mom was helping with like online feedback and stuff. And like that is. Yeah, his mom was like helping print the DVDs. Yeah. For like the original releases and stuff like that. And like his dad was like in charge of marketing. And, it's like, like, oh, that's so, stuff. That's and so like, nice. Man, I wish my family were that. My family was that cool and accommodating in my passions. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, they're not going to help me with shit. <laughs> Who am I kidding? You're on your own. It's such a wholesome like yeah, family experience. Like your dad researching like how long it would take to suffocate children in a school classroom with like exhaust or some shit or whatever the fuck he <laughs> yeah, was doing. Yeah, like, <laughs> he was like, I don't know. Son asked me to do it, so I didn't ask questions. <laughs> I just imagine like some little like little old man like doing this research on this shit like going and like asking people they're like what the fuck yeah that was before people started paying attention to internet searches i guess (laughs) i guess yeah 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 it was that was pre-internet watch list well hell he might not be able to do like internet search he might have to actually like go ask people go ask people well well they, they they had computers i i think uh i think this was the, 2002. I'm just thinking like this information well, the, might not have so, been like super readily available. Might not have been on there, online. Yeah. yeah. There was uh there was a documentary. I think it was I think the documentary was just called Otaku 2005. I uh, think I've seen oh, that. Oh, are you talking about the like I think are you talking about the like Akihabara uh like Akihabara yeah. animals thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah, a nature yeah. documentary about Otaku. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ryu is like, in that. It's man, very funny. But that is so hilarious because it's like normies go to Akihabara and try to explain what they're seeing. <laughs> yeah, and it's framed like, it is framed like a goddamn nature documentary and it's weird but i also love like because they get to the higurashi they open with like the higurashi segment and they frame higurashi as like this kind of like i i they don't know what it is yeah like i think they they think it's like a friend a family friendly kind of thing like this whole family's pitching in to make this this you know visual novel that features these really cute anime style yeah, the, characters. The art you know, really funny is like the way they introduce happens. like Higurashi and Ryukishi is they say Dragon Knight Seven, creator of the popular sound novel The Cicada Season, and it's like that is <laughs> yeah, such an insane right? translation of 
everything. <laughs> like it's not, like, oh not inaccurate, I guess, but also why would you do that? I well, I think because it was a French company that produced that. Okay. So I maybe maybe I'm misremembering because they're like for I I've always wanted to make this video on the perception of otaku of otaku in the normie media mm-hmm. um, and kind of how we're misrepresented or like how people kind of like audify us as like these weirdos that kind yeah. of, you know, we're not even people we're, we're, we're creatures that walk around at night and read, you know, yeah. anti manga and all this other stuff. Um, so I always thought it was really interesting. So I have like a whole playlist on YouTube of all of these. Every time I find a cringy otaku documentary, mm. regardless of when it was or who it was made by, I bookmark it. And then eventually I'll go through and and do, do an expose. Do you know the, uh, do you know the, the bullshit. T- uh, Japanese TV show Densha Otoko? No. That was like a really popular TV show in like the mid 2000s in Japan. That sort of kind of brought otaku into like it's analogous to the big bang theory essentially but for otaku that um, sounds fucking memes uh i, th- I mean I, I like this show i think it's all right but it's it's not as as mean-spirited but it does kind of have this sort of like normie perception uh normie perspective when it comes to otaku and otaku culture yeah it very much uh, is like is, yeah just go out mm-hmm. and find yourself a girlfriend yeah literally yeah 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 you just yeah. go, go well, get yourself a real girl in- in the in the Akihabara documentary, there's this one random dude, God bless him, that poor man. But he's like, they're like, yeah, we want to interview you or whatever. I'm sure they convinced him that this was a good idea. And then he like brings them into his apartment and he shows them their his room. And his room looks like like this, yeah. basically. Yeah. Oh. There's just anime characters everywhere. Are you talking about like, like, like it's an American guy? No, no, oh, it was we, a Japanese guy. Okay, and you then, know what the one I'm talking like, about? Like, uh, let me see if I can find it. I think it. you're talking about, uh, was it Ken? I wrote up American. Oh, yeah, Daniel. David, David. Okun. That should have been easy. That should have been easy if I remember. No, I don't know David. I don't know David. I don't know or maybe maybe I do, but I don't. This I, video is I hilarious. So. <laughs> that thumbnail. Oh my god! Oh, this thumbnail, two forty p AVI, AVI baby. Man, Let's go. This I'm is an old ass sold. fucking video. I don't know if I do. I do. I, Based uh, Kubo little... subs in the title of the video. This video is ten years old. Oh man. Yeah. Da- so David is David is like one of the earlier. Which he's not like one of the first, obviously, right? Like even in Otaku no video, you have the the. West, like the Westerner. Who's there's being, an American. There is an American guy. There's a guy speaking English who they then overdub in Japanese. But then you have to read the English subtitles. It's that part gives me a fucking yeah. like migraine. Like lives in a fucking yeah, van. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know. I think it was Otaku 2005, but it was made by a French company. Um, but it was dubbed in English. So there was like, but they were translating from Japanese. So it went from J- Japanese to French to English. To English? So oh my god! There's like some some sentences where it's kind of like you're you're hearing English, but it's not words that make sense. Yeah, so it's, words yeah. it's kind of like or like things that sound awfully condescending, I suppose, or like weirdly framed like questions that don't quite make sense because the direct translation from French to English just doesn't really doesn't really jive well, I guess, depending on the formatting. And I think that's one of the reasons why that documentary rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. Um, because it's very like, 
It's looking at like our interests and kind of dehumanizing us based on again the fact that it's framed as a nature documentary does rub me the wrong way, right? And like that one scene where they where the guy brings them into his apartment and then there's all these anime girls plastered on the wall and then the one interviewer is basically like, "Are these these girls are really young, aren't they?" Like, you know, and then she keeps like they keep edging him, like trying to get him to out himself as a pedo or. Yeah, there's a fucking BBC documentary that's very similar to that, that a lot of people fucking gave shit. I I think I think I've seen that one as well. Yeah, Um, it's just like, what is what what's the what's the angle here? Like, what are you really trying to do? Are you just trying to like be like, oh, look at these fucking weird perverts. They're walking among us. Yeah. You know, Um, (laughs) like. Have Death seen, to the weebs. Have you seen Enter the Anime? Yes. God, that, that is, fucking shit, man. Oh, God. Fuck that. That was the most patronizing fucking horseshit I have ever seen. I don't think I've ever been that angered. I think I, so I watched it. I watched it um, with Gil once. He had not seen it before. And they got, he, we got to the part where, you know, it's all these people working in the anime industry uh, and they're all talking about like how, you know, if, you know, what, what what do they want? And they just they're just like, you know, I wish I had more time to sleep and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and then this fu- the fucking host is just like hamsters. That's my backup plan. And I think Gil screamed at that point because <laughs> it pissed <laughs> him off so much. I, to like take I just this very, like, like like serious, like pensive moment. And to then undercut it with a, a really, not even a good joke, a really bad joke. In bad taste, no yeah, less. It's, like, oh, it's, it's like so, these people are, these people oh, are overworked. Yeah, fuck, fuck that documentary. Like, Hamsters can run on wheels forever. There's some interesting <laughs> stuff with like the people they're talking to, but I don't know. They're trying to present like Seiji Kishi, like the director of like, uh, uh, Sukigahime, not a Sukigahime, uh, Randy has Sukigahime? declined. Yeah, just like Yuki, uh, Yuki Yuna, all of these like cute girl shows, and they're trying to present him as some like like metalhead buff badass. Yeah, and it's like, I remember that's really that. Really weird like, anime. Well, and I remember there was a couple of uh, couple of examples. Well, so the thing is about that documentary because that was a Netflix original. That was a net. That was that was a Netflix commercial for their original anime. Yeah, and that was the thing. So so I'm pretty sure like in the script there was a stipulation that they were only allowed to use. Um, Netflix anime. Netflix anime. You know, they talked so, with the um, woman who sang like the Evangelion opening because Evangelion had just released on Netflix. And, but they didn't show any of actual Ava because they got the they got yeah. the rights for the song and to talk to the singer, but they and didn't was have the rights to clear any footage from the anime. So yeah. you just ended up staring at the singer for like five minutes, and then her opening like the 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 opening Ava song just played on repeat. For like eight minutes mm-hmm. during that section, like a true travesty, really. Oh, so for, for I mean, documentary the, like, there's like so many baffling <laughs> editing decisions and stuff that is, that is just like completely boggles the damn mind. It's it's something you truly, I actually don't even want to say you need to see it to believe it. Don't watch it. It's not good. Yeah. No, I think I think the main issue was is that like. Um, well, for one, the the person who was making it and the people who would write it didn't have the first fucking clue. It was. It really anything. seemed like it was just yeah. a paid vacation, like a, a vacation to Japan, where in order to finance their vacation, they also just shot a like a documentary over a couple days. 
right? Like, and when I was watching that, I think the worst part about me watching that was like, I'm pretty sure if I spent enough time, I could definitely make something better. Like, I was kind of oh, yeah. just like, I was watching it like, and like, I mean, even just from an editing standpoint. Yeah. Like, if I, like, if you, when if I you really give, give a give shit like, about something. Give me the raw files, yeah. And like, yeah, like, recut it into something that's not so schizophrenic. And yeah. like, patronizing, I guess. It, it, it would have turned out a lot better. Um, and then, too, like, I just don't think, I think she was maybe... She was definitely ill-equipped for what it was because she was like, anime is this weird and fucked yeah, up Yeah, there's that whole thing she, where it's like, Japan it just is such Baki a polite society, but anime <laughs> fans are crazy. And it's yeah, like, and it was like, Bucky the Grappler, whoa! Whoa! That's, that's insane! And I was like, really? Yeah, Bucky? Meanwhile, the UFC is taken off in the West. Yeah. Right? Like, like, and I'm like, man, like it's like, motherfuckers, like, I will drive there and give you my legend of the overfiend tapes. Okay. <laughs> and then we will talk about how fucked up anime really is. We watched uh, no. legend of the overfiend the other, uh, you, you were there, right? Yeah, I was there. I was like, man, this is so nostalgic. So I was nostalgic. like, I love it. I by love way, watching legend of the overfiend. If you, if you, if you can get your hands by the way, on a better, uh, uh, and make a better release of overfiend by like, cause the one we were watching was so crusty. Well, the thing is, is there's there's a bit of an issue with Legend of the Overfiend releases, and mm. that's because there's so many of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, like I have the Legend of the Overfiend Perfect Collection, like the box set on VHS. Mm. Um, and I don't I don't think that that's actually available anywhere because all of the versions that I, at least I was able to find online were the movie version. Yeah, um, there's there's a Blu-ray release of the movie version, which is about forty five minutes shorter. Yeah. Uh, than like the like OVA. So it's like they're cutting out stuff and I don't know if they're they're probably cutting out the wrong things, if you know what I mean. But but like so I have I have the perfect collection. I have Inferno Road. I have uh, like Legend of the Overfiend, the original. I have Birth of the Demon Womb, which I think is volume two. I have like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of them. I've no, um, just, just I, the name Birth of the Demon. Womb. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Well, so back when I was back when I was because I've kind of moved away from collecting VHS tapes just because it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's getting out of season, I guess. Like I the guess, tapes yeah, are getting I, older I, I and older. I feel like there has been like a, 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 a greater interest in laser discs as of late, maybe just like the past couple of years. Well, um, laser discs, for lack of a better term, stay fresh. Yeah. Um, at least the good ones do. Uh, yeah, whereas yeah, my yeah. tapes, there's there's nothing like after a certain point, like. I can only do so much with climate control and proper yeah. caretaking uh, to keep those tapes watchable for so long. Eventually, they'll be, I, I'd say probably in the next 20 or 30 years, there won't be a single tape I own that will actually be watchable. Mm. Whereas if I'm lucky and the seals on the laser discs hold up, well, they could, in theory, last maybe another 50, maybe another 80, probably till the end of my lifetime. So yeah. as long as I still have something that can play them, which is a whole other issue. That's that's um, the main thing with, with laser discs is getting something to play them. Well, I have two. I, I have three players. Two of them work. Yeah. You know, kind of. Um, but I don't uh, even have I, I own some laser discs. I still need to get a damn player because I guess that's the other thing with like laser discs is like, do I get the player first and not have anything to fucking play it on? Or do I get the media first and then not have anything to play the media on? Yeah, I've, th I've thought um, about buying laser discs just to own like the art. Like I've they're thought about nice buying to display. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so I actually, I actually busted this out from 
I'll, I'll just I'll hold it up in front of the camera if you guys are watching. I feel like we're space ghost coast to coast right now. Like we just have like the fucking yeah. the guests okay. on the video. So I got, so I got this. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. Wait, wait. yeah. Is that um is that a complete release of Seyatra on Laserdisc? Yeah, so I have the so oh there's my two God. How there's much does that fucking thing weigh? Uh it's about I I think the because it's about a pound a disc, so this is about twenty five pounds. Oh lord. It's uh it was actually factory sealed when I opened it. Oh wow! But uh, the OBI and now you've touched like them with your bare hands, and it is worthless. <laughs> well, fuck it. You know, at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm I'm doing this for me. You yeah. Know? If I was worried about the money, um, I would be doing there something. Better, I would I would buy a house. There are better. There know? are better hobbies. Yeah. But, yeah, I would. Yeah, like that's the thing that. That's the thing I, that I would be putting my money into a four hundred one k. <laughs> right. Like that's the that's the thing that always kind of got me was like, you know, people are like, oh, that collection's worth a lot of money. huh? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of to the right people sometimes. But it's like there's there's, but, a, <laughs> there's a weird like kind of dichotomy with this. Right. Because like there's the people who are like. Almost like grifters who are basically kind of like lying to people like, oh, my collection is worth ten thousand dollars. Like this fucking thing is worth X amount. It's like, yeah, man, yeah. you could probably <laughs> yeah. get that if you listed on eBay for three years and someone might eventually buy that thing for that price. But like, that's not how this really works. Like the yeah. value of that thing is not determined by what you paid for it or like the highest priced thing that you've seen listed on eBay. It is determined by how much people are wanting to pay for it. Right. Exactly. So, so it's and like, that's the thing. That's the thing. People, people like try to like almost grift that this is like, you get the people who grift that this is almost like a, a thing that you can actually make money on. And then you get the people who are like out of touch with it, who are like, Oh, you shouldn't waste your money on that shit. It's like, well, well, those people, I, the former example, are, like, wrong. Like, you don't fucking buy this shit as an investment. It's not that it's a complete waste of money. Like, when I started getting this shit, like, I kind of thought of it as a little bit of a waste of money. I was like, oh, well, I'll just waste some money here and there or whatever. But it does retain its value pretty well. And sometimes it actually does go up in value, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, just an example, my whole, like, part five JoJo display I have. I bought all those figures used um, in like really great condition because that's the used figure market in Japan is like amazing as far as like value for what you're getting. Um, so I bought them all used for around like 30 ish dollars a piece on average. On average now, like they since they've remade the figures and like done reissues of them. They're selling on average for like sixty dollars. Yeah. And that's not including the ones that are kind of a little bit harder to find since the anime came out. and they've gone up in value for that reason that are like sometimes upwards of like 120. So it's like, you can make money doing this or like collecting this stuff, but it's not like, that's not the investment. That's not the point of what you're supposed to be yeah, doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, 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 if I don't like, if I didn't like this, I wouldn't be doing it. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense necessarily as an investment, but it also like, you can't look at it cynically. I suppose right. you, you have to just, you know, enjoy it for what it is, whether or not it's worthless or if it's worth money. That Urusei Yatsura box set is one of those things where, like, Urusei Yatsura recently got a re-release, you know, and it's rebroadcasting. So a lot of people have been brought into it. I, I picked that up before the, the new release was announced. So, like, if I turn around and sell that, like, that'll be worth some money. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, if I came at every single thing I had with that same attitude, well, I'd be pretty miserable because a lot of the stuff that I have, while in a vacuum, it would be worth absurd amounts. It would also yeah. take an absurd amount of time to find somebody who would want to pay for it. Right. You know, it's an oddly specific thing. It's That's, almost so, like a, it's almost like um approaching your hobby like those like drip check videos do you know what oh. those are where, no, where people where you like walk up to someone on the street and ask them how much the clothes on them are, like are worth oh yeah i've seen some of those yeah yeah it's it's it, that's kind of the mentality that almost kind of ruined like the retro game market right oh like, yeah yeah everybody well, it's, yeah well, yep, 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 yep. yeah they all saw like the people were going and like buying these games and then like flipping them for like double their money and so everyone's like, well, I can go get like $60 for what they had, like the fucking famous example of the stupid um, uh, Pawn Star episode with the NES with like, oh, this is this is the original. So it's such a NES. You can tell by the serial number. It's worth like five hundred thousand, whatever the fuck they fucking said. Like, what the fuck are y'all talking? Oh, that's so embarrassing. Like, you can yeah. fucking get like a, you can fucking get a Nintendo Entertainment System for like a fucking Klondike bar. Well, like I, I have, I have some retro gaming stuff as well. I don't really talk about it so much. Like, um, actually, maybe, maybe that'd be a video worth making some because I have, I have a Sega Genesis and I have, I have some of the original Sega Game Gears, and I know how much you guys love Isekai Ojisan. So oh, I thought you guys yeah. would get a kick out of that. Um, the Wonder Soul. You know, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I really so, but what got me, Isekai Ojisan mentioned one thing that I was like, holy shit, because uh, the. In one episode, it's mentioned in passing the TV tuner uh, card for a Sega Game Gear. <laughs> so, out and and I've seen them, and I was I was considering buying them. Uh, they're pretty they're pretty expensive and oddly niche, and that's going to be one of those things where I have to like put mm-hmm. I have to put my wallet where my mouth is. But you just have to make a video could, on it to justify the purchase. Exactly, and that's why all my videos take six months because I have to. <laughs> I spend five months convincing myself to spend this money, <laughs> and then a month making the video. So, <laughs> but yeah, because I actually, as part of this like weird video loop setup, I have uh, some of it's actually like able to run wireless. Like I have wireless video transmission systems and like RF tuners kind of hooked up. Um, so it's one of those things where I could set up my own TV station in my house and then tune into it on my Sega Game Gear. And that to me is the coolest fucking thing ever for no apparent reason, other than the fact that I could do it. That sounds like a one way ticket to getting in trouble with like the Canadian equivalent of the FCC. (laughs) Well, it's a CRTC, but CRTC. uh, uh, The RF tuners that I have are below the power limits. I've kind of looked into it, but I'm going to be looking at, I'm going to be looking at getting my amateur radio license. uh, Once I get finished with my move, Mm. Um, and that's going to let me do stuff with, I don't, I don't know if you've seen some of the chats that I've had, uh, about SST, uh, SSTV transmissions. Hmm. I've seen, I've seen a couple um, that you've, you've had in there. Yeah. So like SSTV is what NASA originally used back in the sixties to send images from the moon. Hmm. Um, and you can build an SSTV system using modern day computers fairly easily. Sure. And there are ways and people and various things that you can do to bounce radio transmissions off of the moon. Interesting. The SSTV transmission standard is a way to send images over radio frequencies. 
um, hmm. and then receive them. But it takes a really long time. There's about 90 seconds that's required of continuous transmission because it okay. draws the image line by line using radio frequencies. Right. I know enough about radio theory now that I, I'm in a position, it's kind of dangerous. Like I know enough to kind of cause myself some trouble. So I need to get an amateur radio license and do everything <laughs> legitimately um, so that I don't end up going to jail. But I really want to try bouncing like a manga panel off the moon. Um, oh, as 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 just that stupid as that all, would be. That sounds almost like a Mr. Beast video, honestly. It, I, I, I kind of like I really like Mr. I, I don't like Mr. Beast's videos, but I like what he does. As weird as that yeah. sounds. Like, I love it's the like fact that he's always concept, basically. And he's always kind of like one upping himself. So yeah. and that's kind of the way I feel with my with. My videos, at least, minus, well, even my encodes, I guess. Like, I always try to make the next one I'm doing a little bit better than the last one. And, yeah. like, even if I don't post very often, I, I, I at least try to try to keep pushing the envelope, I guess, and use what I have already to kind of build on that. I feel like that um, could be a, a, a <laughs> like, you have, like, a, your face in the corner, like, looking in like shock and awe and there's like a big thing at the moon it's like i bounced the mob off the moon (laughs) right and then it's just it's just like uh like like powers like powers disgusted face staring down at me from the moon or something like Like off a chainsaw the the video just opens up with you trying to throw like a like a like a book like a manga like at the Uh, moon in the middle of the night this isn't working. There has to be a better way. <laughs> and then it goes black and white, and I spill yeah, my manga like panels all over me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not a bad Has one. this happened um, to you? I spent $10,000 yeah. to bounce the chainsaw manga off the moon. <laughs> See, you joke, but it probably would work out too about that by the time oh I'm all done. Oh, my God. I like I want like I already see the thing is, is that like I'm in I'm in a pretty unique position. For one, I have a decent uh, a job that pays me a decent amount of money. Um, that and two, helps. like I just I just have all of these like oddly specific interests, but they all end up kind of overlapping. So I feel like I'm in I'm in, like I've always been more technically minded. While while I really like literary theory and sociology and psychology and you know the um, I guess the more abstract concepts like breaking mm-hmm. down anime for its themes and its narratives and stuff like that that's never been something that i've oh, gravitated to i'm just uh not, not, not really your forte yeah I've, i i i can i can do it like i've i've written videos that kind of attempt to to do that you're more stuff. interested in like the the medium itself rather than the content of the medium i guess i guess more more concrete things right. like more technical stuff I'm always much more interested in like the economics of anime mm-hmm. than I am the individual creators. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that I tried to address in my like hentai history video, because I found a lot when I was doing research for that video, I found a lot of videos that talked about directors and animators in the industry. But I couldn't for the life of me find a video that talked about, you know, how the economics of hentai changed and how government censorship regulations actually affected adult media throughout mm-hmm. the 90s and the 2000s. What the Internet did to, to hentai, right. you know, like the actual the actual concrete things that happened. All I found was a bunch of people sitting around 
you know, nutting about how great the director of Legend of the Overfeed was. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like, I like those videos, but also like fucking where's the give give me the cake. I want I want the shit like the, right. the, the, the real the paper. Where is it? Um, and I think part of that I, I was reading there. There was this white paper, I guess, like a like a, a graduate like sociology student wrote his thesis on the um, the way that anime creators specifically like AnyTubers focus on the creative staff inside of the industry over anything else and Mm. how that relates to their own empathization with those creators because the people who are making videos and scripting and writing are inherently creative people, whereas people who are more technically minded or business oriented are in other areas. They're not Mm. considering you know, media and kind of the way that it goes. And that's why anime economics, I guess, or like, you know, the the general technology that kind of enables all of these movements to, to occur is kind of a black hole of information. Mm-hmm. You can't really find a lot on it. Like, I don't know, even just weird stuff. Like, like there's all of these, like, uh, like I'm really into like Vocaloid music. Like I listen to a lot of Vocaloid music. And I'm always watching lyric music videos, like Vocaloid lyric music videos. And there is a single Japanese program called AVI UTL or like AVI Utility that has made like 90% of these videos. I always assume that they were made in After Effects, but they were actually made on a Japanese specific program that only very recently got an English translation. So I spent a bit of time fucking around with that and I made my own AMV with it. And I thought that was really neat. Because mm. that's that's the technology that's kind of driving the whole niche of like Vocaloid music videos. Uh, but I just never heard of it until I was watching some Google translated tutorial video on it. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is like the coolest shit ever. It's basically free Adobe After Effects, except it needs to be an AVI file. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of it's interesting because I've kind of talked about this here recently because um, it kind of came up where. This, this it's this is why I kind of approach content creation the way I do, where it's very much it's very very much a collaborative sort of effort because like I real like I'm focused on like creating the best kind of thing I can think to create and like kind of capture different facets and different kind of perspectives than I can even capture on my own right. So the best way to kind of go about that is not necessarily just doing a ton of research and like trying to present someone else's perspective through like your lens, but just kind of bringing them on and just be like, Hey, you kind of enjoy this kind of aspect of media. You, this is how you engage with it. So, you know, you can kind of speak to it better than I can, and we can bring you on make a collaborative effort kind of thing. Like that's kind of how I've approached not only like content creation, but like media consumption in general, but that's why I appreciate being able to watch someone else's content and get their perspective and like what they kind of are geared toward and add that and augment my own appreciation for that thing through their perspective. Um, I very much, I appreciate that there are people who look at things so completely differently than I do and are able to be like, Oh, let's look at, Fuck, I don't know. What's some weird fucking like the there's a I thought I think recently I've seen a channel almost completely dedicated to girls Unpanzer, 
And they're like going <laughs> yeah, yeah. through the tanks and like the the weapons usage Dude. and like the <laughs> yeah. like, Girlzoon Panzer fans are nuts. I love those guys. And it's oh, not even just Girlzoon Panzer, right? Like that's it's, it's uh, people come at from all different kinds of angles. Like like you said, you're coming at it from the uh, the media kind of perspective of like what kind of uh, media it's like uh, fuck circulate on distributed through and how you're kind of consuming it in that way and even like the time period in which you're kind of consuming it and what the mentality would be in that time frame because like there are so many different facets that people kind of don't necessarily think about when they think in like a general sense of like any tube right um yeah. any tube has very much just been defined as like video essays or comedy videos and it's like yeah those those are good like i'm not it's not that's your bread and butter right but right like you you, you want just, some spice every yeah once in a while. it's just so much more multifaceted that people kind of really give it credit for um so it's 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 very much something that's kind of more prevalent doing the things i've been doing here recently where you're like, damn there are people doing this kind of shit well i think a lot of it kind of comes down to like uh you know because you your ideas like, I guess, I don't know, like from like my, my base level knowledge on psychology, but the way that you formulate ideas is based on your, your previous experiences and your influences. Right. So if somebody's coming at, you know, any tube specifically with a, with a shallow depth of influences and experiences personally, then their ideas are going to be much more derivative. You know, that's right. that's why we're inundated with video essays. It's because, well, the video essays are popular and not only that, but they're cheap to make. You don't need any money to do them. A talking head video, like even like like a talking head video is comparatively much more expensive and difficult to do compared to just editing anime clips together and voicing it over. Um, so so that's why we have such such like that's why anime related content is so homogenous. It's because of that low barrier to entry. Right. You go on Kiss Anime, you fire up OBS, you record your clips, you don't do any of God, these things, by the way. Yeah. Do you hope to God, you hope to God nobody sees the watermark. And then you full send. Okay, you just you just intellectually nut your profound opinions all over YouTube. And then everybody will love you and tell you about how smart you are. And then that's it. The rest is the rest is gravy. Then then you're then you're making the money as they would say. Um, at least that's that's my perspective on it. But what I was kind of thinking is like, I, I, I want to try, like, when I when I get into my new place, I'll kind of have a bit of a studio set up so mm -hmm. I can actually kind of green screen this. Um, kind of like blow this out and kind of start developing like like a, like a naky jakey kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm. know. Like, you know, the, you actually maybe. start streaming, but you but you're just not streaming on Twitch, but just over radio, like over TV frequency. Over radio. Waves. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's 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 just UHF at that point. Yeah. Tune in your aerial to channel 48, <laughs> guys. I'm fucking live. 8 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs>